Uh, this is Ryan Brownie, and you are watching 11 O'Clock Comics. Nice and strong. This, this is going to be a power-packed episode. A lot, a lot of ground to cover. Lots. I got a lot red. I didn't think I, I didn't think I would, but I did. And I was debating because one of the things I read was was Dookie. Um, and I said, well, maybe. No, no, and I, I said to myself, well, am I really going to bring this to the show? But I think I should because people should know. Let you guys should, should know what you find If we're gonna point out the highs, why can't we point out the mediocre stuff? And I think that's well, the that's the biggest crime. It's mediocre Is it like calling someone a sick fuck for liking cross covers? No, stop it. Um, that uh, to me that's the that's the biggest crime. Not being bad because being bad is can be oh so good. Yes, that's what oh. I'm saying. The the bad to me is equally captivating as the really good it's when you're mediocre like i can't say this is good or bad it's just there yeah. and and that's well, you just you just described the majority of comics uh you yeah describe the majority of entertainment it, it just seems this ha- this yeah. is a very uh prevalent uh condition of this one co- company most of the stuff they publish is mediocre dynamite exactly yeah dynamite yeah uh-huh. yep great covers don't be talking bad about Lone Ranger, though. Mm, they they shoot the wad. I've never read that. They sh- they they shot the wad on the on the covers and the interiors. Eh, not so great. But we'll get there eventually because we got a lot of time. We got what three hours, four hours tonight to dig- cover we all this shit. Have no, long baby. And forty three minutes. Left. I filled up the tank and the reserve is topped off. So we're rolling, baby. Hour and forty two minutes. Nah. Go. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's 11 o'clock comics episode 279, and I am Vince B. Yes, you are. Sipping my coffee. Sorry, and I'm Christopher Neesman. Oh shit, Chris is back. He's drinking coffee, hardcore. I'm David Price. Dump, 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 dump. Oh, we're missing one. Yeah, he'll be. He's not. Jason is going to be a little bit late. Hopefully. Cross your fingers. So we thought it would be a good idea to maintain our intelligence quotient the boy's not here uh so we got another incredibly intelligent person to fill the void and and that man is is mr zach Crusey. you know him because he does a lot of stuff not the least of which is uh the incredible mystery solved webcomic and companion in the uh, skeptical inquirer magazine how about that he's legit it is legit. That's you weird. are. You're Mr. Legit. It's legit yeah. <laughs> Hi, Zach. There it was. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Always a Hello. pleasure to have your ass Hi, on. Hi, Zach. It is. Lots of, I, lots of congratulations I, for you tonight. So, yes. Thank you. Congratulations. We'll talk about it all later. And, and, I, and I have a congratulation as well because our sponsor, which is uh, Discount Comic Book Service, is... One of the two retailers, the first retailers to ever partner with the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Did you know that? 
I did not. Yep, comic book service, uh, discount comic book service, and things from another world, TIFA, are proud to announce that they are joining the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. As corporate members, they're the first comic book retailers to do so since the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund's inception in 1986. That's big doings. That's good stuff. If you can give to the CB... LDF or bolster their efforts, then CBLDF. more. LDF. That's what I see, right. Then more power to you, and more power to all our listeners, because you can get amazing discounts at DCBService.com. Thirty-five to seventy-five percent off. We're currently in that gray limbo area between uh, previews. We don't know what is going to be heavily discounted this month or this upcoming month but rest assured the discounts as i always say will be deep and plentiful if you are a first-time customer of dcb service you can enter the code that our lovely assistant david will tell you into the slot and get an extra eight percent off your already massively discounted order david what's that code that code vincent is EOC8. So simple. Three letters and a number will get you an extra 8% off EOC8. They do not mind late orders or order additions, and you can get your paper previews dirt cheap, like a buck 12, and you don't even have to leave your couch. They are the absolute best. DCBService.com. Go there. Off. Right and now. early. Yeah. Man up. All right. Take it away, Christopher. Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good right. Good to have you back. It I is. I don't know. When was the last time the four of us recorded together? 78 or 79, 70, I think. 70, so yes. the Power Reunion Tour. I, I had my flares well, my sorry. my flares on and my big old platform shoes. Yeah, Vince had hair. Oh, boy, did I have hair. <laughs> Not only on my back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's good to be back. Uh, I actually got to read some things. Um, Yay. I, I guess I can jump right in uh american vampire is awesome hey 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 boy you are you you are a little oh god i'm out of practice yeah okay what are you drinking vince oh you gotta go with me this is gonna sound weird but i'm drinking almond milk yeah i love it it Um, is so damn good yeah yeah you don't go crazy with it and it doesn't twist my intestines into a uh a pretzel yeah. Like normal milk does. And there's a lot of sugars in it, isn't there? I love sugar. Dude, sugar's my lifeblood. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Yeah. I I do the, the almond milk on the, the cereal, that kind of stuff. Throw a little whiskey in there. You'll be fine. Nah. Uh, uh, David, how about you? Uh, I am having some uh, 1792 uh, with a little bit of seltzer. Nice. Nice. A little bourbon. Um, our illustrious guest, Mr. Crucy. Uh, well, I have, I'll give you a slightly more elaborate answer because it's fall and pumpkin beers are coming out. So I'm, I've been running back and forth to the liquor store to buy. It's as close to fall. It's eight days away, sir. Eight days away. It's good enough. There's pumpkin beer in the liquor store. That means fall. Nice. So so I ran out to the liquor store today and bought me uh, a whole bunch of six packs of Ichabod from New Holland. I know him. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Yeah, uh, New Holland does really, um, most of their, like their, you don't want to call them specialty beers, their high gravity beers are fantastic, and the Ichabod is is super duper yummy, that's, I gotta get over there, have you ever been up there? Mm -mm, I haven't, Uh, we have friends that live up that way, and I don't know why we haven't gone, Um, I feel like they've betrayed me as a friend, um, (laughs) for not taking me, but uh, 
but I want to get there as quickly as possible. Um, my wife is from New Buffalo, which is a little bit south of there. Oh, sure. I don't know, maybe sure. an hour south. So, yeah, of of Holland, Michigan. It's uh, yeah, it's around the the horn of uh, uh, of the lake there. So I need to get. Up. I've heard that the uh, the the brew pub is awesome. Really good food, and their beer is fantastic. Uh, I'm also having a, a beer from uh, from that same general region. It's a it's a Chicago brewer, which I don't think I have I have had anything of theirs on the show, which is a uh, a, a big oversight. This is from Half Acre, which is uh, probably their their most well known is their Daisy Cutter. Their their IPA, so like a lot of craft brewers, their IPA is the one that people know about. But uh, this is uh, they make some great ales there, and uh, I'm having their over ale, and uh, I love the uh, the can on the top reads quite possibly exactly what you think it is. Uh, hmm. So it is uh, it is just kind of a a, a heavy duty ale. Let me see what the I don't even think it has the the alcohol content on here, but it's it's pretty. It's pretty robust, but it's a it's a nice uh, um, beyond amber ale. So it's a um, almost almost looks like a, a a porter. This is just a hair shy of looking like a porter, but yeah, very nice ale from the folks at uh, at Half Acre, which um, our intro tonight was done by Mr. Ryan Brown, correct? It was. And Half Acre has partnered with Mr. Brown to come out with God Hates Beer. I thought it was Beer Hates Astronauts. Or Beer Hates Astronauts. (laughs) God would never hate beer. No, of course not. So it's, yeah, it's beer. I'm sorry. You're, thank you, David. That's why we keep you around is to always always correct me for my mistakes. It keeps you very, very busy. Uh, yes, Beer Hates Astronauts. So look for uh, look for beer hates astronauts from uh, from half acre. Is there a pot that that man does not have his fingers deep deep into? Before he started blowing up, he was a master of merchandising and uh, you know we've. I know David's got some of the the God hates astronauts shot glasses. He does action figures, the T-shirts. He he is just a machine whenever it, it comes to that stuff. It's true. It's true. And you know what? Look. For the first time in, what, months, I have a thank you. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you haven't been here in months, but okay. <laughs> um, it, it is from our very good friend, uh, Chris Marshall. Nice. Whoa. Yes. Collected, I know him. Collected Comics Library. He sent me a comic and a a note. Uh, and the note reads... Was it written on parchment paper? No, he he printed it out on his computing device. It's um, And he printed it out on Monday, August 5th. Go figure. It's my birthday. But anyway, um, he says, Dear Vince, because he loves me so much, uh, I picked up this, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, comic at the Motor City Con this... Well, I have to tell you what it is. At the Motor City Con this past May... You can see that Ken Wheaton signed it and also provided the pencils and inks. As an IDW Popeye fan, that's me, I know that you know that Ken Wheaton worked on that 12-issue series. Ken told me that this was not intended to be a tryout book, but 
Nonetheless, it got him working on the Popeye series with Roger Langridge. So, uh-huh. so you can look at this comic from 2009 as a zero issue of sorts to the 2012 series. I've also printed out a news article about this comic for more detailed information. And the news article, God bless him, is three pages long. Um, very, like Chris himself, very informative and exhaustive. And the book is called Popeye Picnic Number One. I guess every year in Chester, Illinois, birthplace mm-hmm. of Elsie S- Chrysler Seeger, creator of Popeye. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Chester, Illinois. I have not, but I no. want to be. It's well, there's a prison there and a Popeye statue. That's about the only two reasons to go to Chester. That's hot. well, that's one great reason, right? Um, it's called the Popeye Picnic Number One. Printed to commemorate the annual Popeye Picnic in Chester, Illinois. Uh, the creators on this are Chris Yambar, who I have uh, an original Popeye drawing from and his autograph. George Broderick Jr. and Ken Wheaton, who's done lots of Simpsons works. I love his stuff. But anyway, the story's really cool. Popeye and Bluto are kind of at it again and they're beating the shit out of each other and and the sea hag kind of like noses in and works a little bit of her hoodoo magic on them popeye ends up getting hit in the head by a spinach can and knocked out and while he's knocked out ec seager comes to him and talks to him and takes him all around chester illinois and shows him the real life buildings and events that inspired him to create Popeye and the gang. It's, it's, Do they go to the prison? They, let's see, uh, there's the Chester Opera House and uh, a, let's see, there's the spinach can, there's Pascal's General Store. Like it goes through all the city landmarks and uh, Seeger says, you know what, I used to work here and my boss was the inspiration for Wimpy and the lady at the general store, I believe, was the inspiration for Olive Oil. Uh, her name, I think, was, uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, Mrs. Ms. Pascal, obviously from Pascal's general store. But it's a really cool um, way to flesh out uh, the real life events surrounding Popeye's creation for the Popeye picnic. It's very nicely done. I loved every page of it, and I got to thank Mr. Chris Marshall for sending it to me because he's a he's a doll. I love him. Thank you. And it's Popeye. It's my God. Yeah. Favorite newspaper strip character ever, next to Crazy Cat. For me, anyway. Well, because you're old, but yeah, I no, am. that's that's. <laughs> I am old. Yeah. Any of uh, any of our uh, our. Uh, esteemed listeners that live in or around the St. Louis area, you should you should head over to Chester. It's it's just a a, a couple stones throws away. Yeah, it's just a neat little river town. According to the comic, there are Popeye statues all over the damn place. There's one big one in particular that is is kind of at the I think it's the entry to the town uh, from the Missouri side because you have to go over the river. So. Is there a Bluto statue? I mean, in the book, there's a statue for every character. Like, there's oh, even a been, wimpy statue. You know, they may they may have expanded. It's probably been 15 years since I've been to, to oh, Chester. I would like so. to go to Chester. How far away from it is is it from you? 
It's oh from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it's probably five hours. Oh, or too so. long. No, Illinois was that big. Yeah, too oh, long. We make the we make the states bigger out this way, right, Zach? Do you have to take a sub That's to get true. there? It's like twice the size. <laughs> We're like Illinois is like the entire size of New England. That's a absolute fabrication, <laughs> but it sounds true-ish though. Yeah, it's it to to drive from the top of Illinois to the bottom is probably seven plus hours, almost eight hours. That's um, yeah, that's, that's longer than Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's like yeah, put Pennsylvania. You know, it's like you know, stand Pennsylvania. You know, up and and I think Illinois is probably even a little bit bigger. But no, it's it's much closer to St. Louis. Isn't that where so, Laverne and Shirley's from? No, it's Milwaukee. Milwaukee, which is only an hour and a half from here. So. Ah. Much closer to get to Milwaukee. So I can see the Shots Brewing Company faster than I could see the birthplace of Popeye. That's not right. Absolutely. That's okay. <laughs> hey, Milwaukee's a cool town. I like Milwaukee. There's no Popeye in Milwaukee. No, they got Laverne. They got Fonzie. Squiggy. Fonzie. That was that was my reason to watch Squiggy. Yeah. There's a great Fonzie statue in Milwaukee. They actually have a Fonzie statue? Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's it's cool. Fa- it's fantastic. Thumbs yeah. up. Is he doing oh. the... Yeah, with the jacket. Nice. It's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. <laughs> you got to do the A. <laughs> hey. hey. got everything in the Midwest. I know, right? That the, 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 the apple seed thing. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't you tell us a little bit about that, Zach? And then, oh. then Chris can do some comic talking. Okay. Yeah. Have you, apparently, I, apparently, I run this show. Um, you do. I'm just finding out about this. Um, I called Appleseed. Here in beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, Let's not go too far there. It's pretty. It's it's not Chicago, <laughs> and it's not going to be Chicago. It doesn't. It shouldn't be Chicago. And and but, who was born aside from yourself in Fort Wayne, Indiana? We I say uh, this all the time. Uh, Gray Morrow. Yes. Who, who, who my grandmother's used to hang out with, and um, Philo Farnsworth. Ooh. And uh, so, if you like TV, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Philo Farnsworth. Who else? Uh, uh, oh, who's that lady that Hillary loves so much? Um, oh, we went to her stupid house. <laughs> Carol Lombard. <laughs> Carol Lombard. <laughs> and uh, you know, like there, there's people from here. We do things. Things happen. I think that's it's, what the Fort Wayne, cool. the Fort Wayne tour guide. As you're riding the bus by it, he says, "And there's Carol Lombard's stupid house," and they just keep going. <laughs> Well, the it's, people that it's named, it's named after General Mad Anthony Wayne. That's true, and I was actually just telling—I was telling a friend of mine a story about him, about how his how his bones are scattered all over your state, Vince. Ooh, really? Yeah, this is a fun story. So he died in Pennsylvania, and his family—they buried the body at this fort on Lake Erie or some shit. And uh, so his family wants the body. They go to get the body, but because they buried him in at, like the beach for some reason in the sand the body didn't by the time they got there it was years later the body hadn't fully deteriorated so there's still like rotting flesh on the body awesome so the family <laughs> digs up the body find the finds the flesh and says well what are we going to do with this so they put the body in a giant cauldron and boil it to boil the flesh off so they boil the flesh off of the bones and then they dump the steaming sludge of of flesh back into the grave and rebury it and then they bundle up the bones and throw them in the back of a wagon so they're taking the wagon back home to bury the bones but the road is bumpy because it's like the 18th century 
and the road's so bumpy that the bundle of bones comes undone, and the bones are just flying out the back of the wagon, just <laughs> scattered on this highway. And they get they get home, and they go, "Oh shit, we only have half the body." So they just buried half of his body. So half of his skin is on Lake Erie. His bones are scattered throughout the countryside, and then like the other half of his bones are buried at home. I, I knew there was a reason we had you on, other than Appleseed. Yeah, see? That's an okay. awesome Thank story. Baseball player Jared Parker and current Cleveland Indians manager mm-hmm. Eric Wedge are from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, nice. I'm not reading this off the Wikipedia page. And uh, <laughs> firework capital of it the world. The it yeah. is the firework it, capital of the world. That That's like literally down the street from my house, the place. You guys have, you guys have a darling um, uh, minor league baseball park? Yeah, actually, that's that's a that's a really beautiful baseball park. It's a great baseball park. Yeah, yeah, and great. they have a hell of a comic book convention. Yes, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I guess that's I guess that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So so anyway, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing shows in the city for uh, four previous years, but this is this will be next year will be the second year for Appleseed, and uh, it's growing and it's doing really well, and I started a Kickstarter for it this year. And uh, that was just, so smart. That was so. If we were still doing Windy City, we totally would have done that. So great yeah. idea. Thank you. Um, well, the the thing is, for me, is you know we have a we have a sponsor for the show, or I have a sponsor for the show, and um, you know I always spend a little bit of my own money and whatever I can reinvest and all that sort of thing. But I was just looking as you know to do the things I really want to do for the show and in the city that was just the way to go and and i had to do that and uh, fortunately it worked out um and uh you know it's it, it's going and it's going great and it's allowed me already to do some really awesome things in the city and uh so we'll be we have like a taste of the arts thing where it's like a food and art festival downtown this weekend so we'll be down there uh doing comics for kids and stuff and um then we have a film festival that we've set up with a local indie movie theater and um stupid carol lombard yes yeah, stupid carol lombard <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we set that up and uh uh i'm bringing a couple speakers into to the, a couple of the universities in town to talk to college students about art and comics and that sort of thing so um it, it's it's really it's really an awesome thing and it's allowed me to do a lot for the community really you're definitely highbrow i like that well i i try to be well the thing the thing is is this show, I've said this before, but this show, one of the biggest reasons this show exists is because of what Chris and Sal did, what you guys did at Windy City. It, 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 well, hands down. You. Well, well it's, it's, you're, yeah, it's, it's the truth. Do you have to give him credit? Seriously. Well, yeah, I have to be, I can't help it, I have to be honest. Uh, he split the credit as, as, as it should have been. Yeah. And no, you you just you just picked up. It's it's focused on the creators. That's why yeah. that's why people should come and make it about the comics. And it doesn't have to be a huge show. And that's what you did. You stripped away all of the all of the superfluous stuff, and you made a an intimate, comfortable, and really cool comic show. Yeah. Yeah. I, thank you. That, that's what I'm trying to do. Because uh, I, I think I honestly think this. I, I realize that. So many of that ex- that outside stuff brings people in through the door, and I get that. So I know why shows do that because they're just trying to make you know money at the gate, and, and mm-hmm. that's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think in the long term, in the long term, I think that that is not helpful for us 
as members of the comics community. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately it it dumbs it down and presents an image of what conventions are and what comics are that's not really true, you know. And yeah, we I mean we always had the the idea that you know we wanted people to uh, to to come to the show and and not spend all of their money getting in because we wanted that money to go to the artists. We wanted people buying sketches and product and not spending, you know, forty dollars or fifty dollars at the door. Now, you know, you get into the you know, the C two E twos, the New York Comic Cons and San Diego's of the world and there's a huge outlay of cost that they have to uh, you know put into into facilities and I mean that's on a scale that is just you know astronomical and and those are those are com- on quite honestly those are companies that are trying to make a lot of money um, but we never want you know we never wanted to gouge people and have them get in on the floor and not have any money to spend yeah no that's exactly that that's exactly it and I had somebody somebody was asking me about that saying it was, it was so cheap to because I'm charging like 15 bucks for the weekend this year because I moved the show to two days because mm-hmm. of the Kickstarter cool. and Somebody told me, "Is like, oh, well, that's so cheap. I'm like, well, yeah, of course it's cheap. And I gave them the exact same reason you did. Why would I want to take their money at the door when they can spend that money with the creators inside? Yeah. You know, like, I'll, I'll be fine. My costs are covered. It's cool. You know, so and, long as my I, costs are covered, it's everything's, everything's hunky-dory, man. And the creators appreciate it, man. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the way to go. So, yeah, it's a great show. I really want to, I really want to go this year, which, you know, you should Maybe mention some of the people that you have coming, especially one that was a huge, like awesome. Oh my God, how did you get him? Uh, okay, so so I, so this year I have two dream guests. Um, the first one that I'll uh, make folks not aware of if they don't know already is Peter Bag, and um, Peter Bag is a dream guest for me because I am absolutely in love with his work, and I think he's a brilliant cartoonist, and I think he's very funny. And I think he's done some of the most important independent comics work, um, well, of the last 30 years, so I guess which would be the entire history of indie comics. Um, True. Well, so I'm, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, so exci- I'm so excited to have Peter here. And he has been just so amazing to work with and just really kind about everything. And he's offered up all kinds of stuff for the Kickstarter and just been a really incredible guy about all this. And I can't wait to, I can't wait to hang out with him. Um, the second guy, which I just uh, nailed down uh, earlier this week or late last week, I guess it was earlier this week, is the powerful and amazing Jim Steranko. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a very powerful wow. person. Wow. You nailed him down, and then he got out of it really quick. He did. He was, <laughs> he was like, he's like, you nail me down, Zach, and then I'll show you how fastly I escape. And uh, he said fastly, and I thought, well, that's a weird adverb to use. But I said, you know what, you're Jim Steranko. You use all the adverbs. Mr. Miracle right. can use any word that he freaking you're wants. You're the one in the turtleneck. You can say fastly if you want. That's exactly it. And th- Okay, so I, I have to tell this story because when I, I, I've been, I was trying to track down good contact information for Steranko. And I had asked, I had asked a couple people that I uh, that I knew or that knew other people that had, you know, had him at shows and that sort of thing. I was like, hey, how do I get a hold of him? And nobody ever got back to me, and uh, so I just said, the hell with it. I'm just going to look it up. So I, I found him, and I called him, and <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. I, I, I called him, and he didn't answer, and uh, so but I got an answering machine, so I left a message on his machine, and um, like two hours later. 
I get a, a call on my phone and I recognize the number because uh, he lives in the Pennsylvania area. So it's a Pennsylvania area code and I look at it and I knew who it was. But of course I answer it, you know, trying to be all coy and cool and say, uh, hello. <laughs> so, like trying to like suppress like my excitement. So I say hello and he go and uh he's on the other end of the line and he goes, Zach <laughs> Yes. Yes, God. And he goes, Steranko. You heard the exclamation point. You did. And like and I was so excited and I was trying really hard not to laugh and I didn't and I wasn't like laughing at him. But I was laughing because I was thinking to myself, like, of course this is how he introduces himself on the phone. <laughs> and In uh, lieu of his assistant being there. Right, yeah. of course. And uh, so he so he and I are chatting, and uh, we, we get back. Imagine to- him standing in, like, boxer shorts with, like, black socks and a cigar. No. And sun- <laughs> <laughs> no shirt, of He even wears a little dicky turtleneck to bed. Come on. Oh, that's, his, that's his outfit. It, and it, we just, we had... It was it was just a surreal experience because I'm just talking to him on the phone. We're just having a conversation about comics. Oh man! And um, so then we get down to brass tacks, and you know, I'm, we're working everything out. And and it was like I w- the funny thing is like when it got to the business side of it, we were talking about all the business stuff. It was like talking to Jim Rockford or something because <laughs> everything was laid out. Like I was talking to a private detective. You know, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and I'll do this, but I won't do this. You know, and um, it was it was just fun, and uh, so I, I send him all this information. He says, "Okay, well, give me a call back, and we'll uh, we'll get everything finalized with with this, that, and the other." So I call him back, and I call him back on a Sunday night, and because uh, he uh, it was had to be Sunday night because he told me he said, "Hey, look, you know, if you try to get a hold of me in the afternoon, it's not very likely because my work schedule is nine p.m. to nine a.m." Like, okay, of course. so of course it is right. So. Um, so I call him Sunday night, not thinking about his Sunday night TNT thing that he does on Twitter. And I call him like just a little before 10. He's like, hey, I got to do my Twitter thing. Give me a call back at midnight my time. I'm like, okay. So I, I call him back at midnight. And just just the idea of a midnight phone call to Jim Steranko was like awesome to me. So I'm talking to him. And again, like we talked about the show, but then it just it, it came right back to just talking about like the history of comics. Oh. And then... <laughs> oh my god it was just fun and he, we're talking about the history of comics and then he's telling me he's talking to me about uh you know all these other shows he had done in the past and you know uh what he thought of certain creators and creators that he thought didn't treat fans right um and uh they told me he retold the bob kane story to me and uh this time with more emphasis you know and it was just it was just incredible. Now, he, did he talk about the actual history of comics, his two-volume set that he wrote back in the day? Uh, those books are incredible. Right, it, yeah, it, not it, that. If he possesses like a tenth of the information in, in his brain that, that is included in those books, he, he's extremely formidable because those things are just exhaustive. And they go from like the pulps to the comics. It's a, they're amazing right. books, yeah. Yeah, when I say history of comics, I don't mean that. I mean, we no, just talked okay. about like comics history. Maybe nice. that's what wow. I mean, yeah. it's a Stranko for me. He's one of the guys that influenced me so much, not just in comics, but as a graphic designer. I mean, he mm-hmm. was he was on the cutting edge at a time when graphic design was elevating to like pop culture art level. You know, the the Saul Bass 
era of graphic design and Steranko was was right there in the middle of it. His design work is so so good, and you saw it in how he designed covers. I mean, I he is my favorite cover artist of all time. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but we were talking about that very thing um, about his covers. The covers he was doing in the 60s, and especially that really famous one that he did for uh, Nick Fury, you know, where he's standing in front, where it's like the the S.H.I.E.L.D. origin issue. I think mm-hmm. it's like Nick Fury 4 or something like that. You know, that's the kind of cover you see now, where it's, it's, so, it's you know, it's more design heavy, and, and it's not, there's not a story being told on the cover. It's more about the image and the power of the image. And, you know, he was, he was 40 to 50 years ahead of his time. With oh, that yeah. sort of thing, and it's just incredible to think about that, and um, you know, and even even like the the logo designs and stuff he did, like the X Men logo when he changed the X Men logo, it's a brilliant design, mm-hmm. and oh, it, yeah. wor- it, it it's it's almost perfect in in every way. I think my my favorite my favorite cover that he did, um, and it, and so I mean it, it's definitely in in my pantheon of of greatest comic book covers is uh the nick fury agent of shield number six where he's in the space suit and the moon is uh, about half of the about half of the cover and he's floating below it and there's it's earth is exploding below him it's an amazing amazing cover and just the design of it it's everything about it is right yeah. My, I think uh, that you meant now that you mentioned uh Saul Bass, there's a lot of similarity between Saul and, and Steranko. Oh, they're they're contemporaries. Yeah. I mean just look at the Vertigo poster. It, yeah. That could have been done yeah. by, by Steranko. Well, I mean, yes. Uh, that's one of the things that Steranko brought was such a cinematic feel to his work. And Saul Bass was, you know, on top of being an amazing, you know, designer, a commercial designer, he did so much stuff in movies, which is where we know most of his stuff now. Yeah. And so they were I mean, they were right there at the same time, probably of the same mind with with a lot of design of, of getting, you know, still images to uh, reflect just the the, the the impact and and you know the kinetic energy of what was what was on the screen. You can tell he's a huge, you know, film fan. Yeah. Yeah. And that you well, know, we can pull it apart. They both play with very strong shapes, you know, the whole mm-hmm. yeah well, we could, but let's. Well, let's I mean, you see, you know, Kirby's, you know, dynamism in his work. It's, it's, um, in what Kirby uh, loved the guy, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, kept picking his pocket though. Jack could never realize where all his money was going, and Jim would just walk by and laugh every day. Oh, 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 oh. oh my god, that's that's a lie. Sorry. Well, it, is, it, it doesn't matter if that's a lie because <laughs> it, it sounds right. It sounds true-ish, right? Ish. Well, you you got me, Zach. I will I will be in Fort Wayne. Good, but, but there are other creators going to be there. Uh, not the least of which uh, is Tom Scholey. Yes, yeah. Tom will be there. Um, and Tom's been to the show every year. Um, it's because he's awesome. Yeah, and, and Tom's just an awesome guy. And uh, Tom's been there every year, so he'll be back. Uh, Ed Piscor will be there. Nice. Uh, I, I love Ed's work. I really do. And I'm glad that he's going to be there because, see, this is 
I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with my time because I want to hang out with Peter Bag and I want to hang out with Starenko, but I want to hang out with Ed Piscor because I want to pick his brain about Harvey Pekar and you know. Uh, see, when, you know, whenever I, somebody says uh, Piscor, I, I imagine him entering the room. He's got his own like little beatbox guy with him that just. <laughs> And here comes Mr. Piscor, you know, because that uh, it's going to be really hard to separate him from the hip hop stuff. I mean, he's done yeah. way more stuff, but that's that strip is so damn strong. Uh, it's it. I think that's going to be his uh, his signature piece. Oh, I think so, too. But yeah. I mean, that's that's his personality, too, you know. Um, but yeah, so Ed, Ed will be there. Uh, Mike comes every year because Mike Norton is just an amazing human being, yep. a great human being. Wacker. Yeah, uh, Dave will be there. Uh, Dave, another great human being, and, and uh, has been really supportive of everything that I've done with the show. Uh, really supportive. Don't get carried and, away. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like it is. Dave has been incredibly supportive of everything we've done with the show. Dave's like, awesome. really gone above and beyond. And uh, Hillary will be there, and I love, I love spending any kind of time with Hillary. Um, you've so, never, you've, you've never spent um, eight and a half hours on a car with him. That's true. I haven't spent eight and a half hours. That would be awesome, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I got but stories. I, I bet you do. Cause, and I'll tell you what. One of my favorite stories ever was when I did, uh, when I used to do Summit City, uh, when you and Hillary came down and we went out drinking after the show that night. That is one of my favorite memories ever. Is oh, you when, I got all, when, I, when I got all pissy with the guy at that bar. Oh yeah, well that and Hillary getting pissy with the guy and everybody getting mad at townies and stuff. It was just a beautiful <laughs> experience. It was really wonderful, and I will never ever forget it. And yeah. it, and tried to tried to, to what charge us cover to get into that bar. Oh yeah, well I wasn't there for that. You told me about that, but yeah, yeah. don't that bar is garbage though. Yeah, for pe- for people and are, I kind of told him that it's like I'm not fucking paying, giving you five dollars to sit in this shit hole. <laughs> Yeah, for Chicago. People, for people that live in the area, Chris Chris is talking about Columbia Street. You don't need to go. It's okay. It's a bro bar. Yeah. Good. I had a good uh, I had a good hot dog there. And uh, Not, at that establishment, the 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 Coney hot oh, dog. Oh, Coney bar. Island? Yeah. yeah. Zach, how did uh Mr. Barter react to the the whole towny thing? Oh man. <laughs> you know what you know what I'm trying to get you to do, You're right? Me on. You I am. Me to do the voice. I do. Uh so all right. So for the folks at home in case you hadn't heard this story before, either on my show or, or here or somewhere else or at a convention. Uh, we're at this really <laughs> shitty dive bar called the Brass Rail. And I like the Brass Rail because it's a dive bar and the beer is really cheap and you can have a good time there. The trouble is is that it is filled with like 20-year-olds, um, and I mean 20-year-olds, uh, and who are just, you know, well, they're 20-year-olds. So, and... Uh, Hillary goes inside and he's waiting in line to go to the bathroom. And at the time, the men's room had one toilet, the women's room had one toilet, and that was it. And the line for the men's room was really long. So Hillary's waiting in line to go to the men's room. <laughs> and uh and he notices that there's nobody waiting in the line to go to the women's room. There's no women there. A girl comes out, it's empty, he's free and clear. So he steps in and just just to pee. And um so he's in there doing his business and some girl comes to open the door. And, of course, it's locked, and uh, this guy, this kid that was waiting in line in front of Hill says, hey, some old guy went in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Hillary comes out and goes, hey! 
because he could hear him because the doors are like cardboard, you know. And he comes out, "Hey, way to have my back, you dick!" <laughs> That's a good impersonation. <laughs> he was really mad about it, and I think he was just mad mostly because he was drunk. But uh, but he comes outside and he's telling us about this, and we're standing outside like in the smoking area, and he's kicking gravel around. He's like, "God damn, Tony, kick his ass this time!" <laughs> Perfect. It was oh man, it was beautiful. Hillary's the best. Yeah, there, there's other things that happened that night, but uh, after that, but uh, I don't know if I should say them where people could hear it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but but anyway, it was, that was a great time. That was a really great time. And then, but a more heartwarming story. And I think I told you guys about this one last year. But uh, when we went down to Carol Lombard's house, we I took Hillary down to the Carol Lombard house. Or this is two years ago, and um, it was very cool because he he's a big Carol Lombard fan, and he got to go see the house. And uh, it was really funny because juxtaposing that story with with this one, you know, he w- he was all upset about this townie. But then we go down and, and you know make it a scene, and uh, but then we go down to the Lombard house, and it's like me and Hillary and Wachter and um, Dave Lasso and uh, Gabe Gabe Hardman was there, and we're all being loud and just basically assholes because we were drunk, and um, and Hillary goes, "Hey, you guys, <laughs> get quiet, show some respect." <laughs> People, people live here. Like, okay, I'm sorry, Hillary. And I felt really bad about it. Like, you know, all the, I internalized all this shame. And anyway, but, just Hillary standing in the front yard, just crying. <laughs> this generation, Carol. These kids, so pretty. Goddamn kids. <laughs> But anyway, no. Uh, every year we always have a lot of fun, and there, there's always adventures to be had. So, but, and uh, do we leave anybody out? Who else do you have? Uh, I don't think so. I think we hit we hit all the we hit um, a lot of the major folks. Um, Sean Pryor comes every year. He brings oh, all the action. Nice. Stuff. And Sean is just a sweetheart of a guy, and everybody yes. is that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Martheus Wade, uh, who lots of folks who are familiar with the show know him. And, um, you know, the guest list is just growing and growing. Uh, Christopher Mitten will be there. Oh, nice. Uh, um, uh, Mitten, Chris Mitten was here last year, um, and he'll be back. So, you know, nine months out, I'm still building the guest list, but, you know, it's really, really, really solid right now. Like, really solid. You're going to uh, get that um, punk Jim rug down there? I so far, I, uh, so far as I know, I believe that he is, but I haven't got a confirmation from him. Um, because I'm coordinating everything for him and Ed through Tom. Okay. So, um, so far as I know, I believe Jim is coming down, but I haven't heard specific word, yay or nay, but I, I'm pretty certain that he is. I just didn't want to put anything official on the website until I hear. Absolutely. Have um, you, have you guys seen, speaking of great cover artists, Rugs cover for that, uh, Sleazy Slice? Mm-hmm. Um, magazine that uh, Bougie puts out. It's it's um, a shot of a a bathroom stall, and you see a dude's legs and his pants are pulled down around his ankles, and then you see a woman kneeling in front of him. It is an amazing cover. Uh, the rendering on it is just spectacular. It just Google sleazy slice or cinema sewer. It's it's on there. It's, rug is really sharp. Uh, I mean, all around sharp, but his cover images are just fantastic. If if you get Jim there, you have got to put a panel together with he and Steranko on comics and design. Yeah. And oh my god! It, yeah. And and record it and broadcast it 
into space and bathroom so blowjobs just forever because yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. That well, would that that's good radio. Well, honestly, if if Jim is able to make it, there's no reason to. I mean, well, to me, there's no reason, but I mean, I would think that he and Jason could because um, if Jason Lex came with him as well, then he and Jason could just record an episode of Tell Me Something I Don't Know, right? With Drake yeah. Live. Um, but yeah, that would be incredible. Um, did you go the first year? Uh, the first year I did Summit City. Did you go to the panel that had Jim Rugg and Matt Kent and Jeff Brown? And somebody, uh, like just like a whole bunch of other people, just talking about indie comic stuff. And there's that, there's this big, there's this very heated debate between Matt Kent and Jim Rugg about digital uh, versus uh, doing everything just on paper. Mm-hmm. And it was this astonishing thing. Like it went on for a long time. Oh, and, that's cool. And why uh, did you not record this? Because it was the first year I ever ran a show, and I didn't have the foresight to do that. Oh. No, I think I, I did. I um, did I mod one of the panels down there? Uh, yes, you did. Hey, and um, I, I forget. Yeah, you did because uh, John was doing a whole bunch of them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and John had done that one, and then um, you stepped in to give John a break and said, "Hey, I'll do this one with Hillary and uh, a couple other people." Oh yeah, it was, it was uh, horror comics, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a horror comics panel. It was with Hillary right. and I can't remember who else. Yeah, Vince would have done a better job than me. Nah, get out oh, of on here. horror comics? Are you kidding me? I'll give you your props. Okay, what else do we have with this? Some uh, sun, listen to me, Summit City, Appleseed. Uh, what are some of the uh, the uh, events you have lined up? Um, so so far this year, like I said, we'll be at Taste of the Arts. Um, we'll be down there doing uh, comic stuff for kids and uh, just basically getting people interested and invested in the medium. And uh, then later on uh, in the spring, we were running uh, a film festival at the Cinema Center mm-hmm. here. It's a, I say cinema, uh, film festival. It's, we're just running a couple of movies. Um, we're going to run American Splendor. Nice. And then after that, uh, we're doing it as part of their midnight movie thing. And uh, so after we're going to run American Splendor. And then after that will be uh, The Warriors, which is not obviously not like a specifically a comic movie, but it's the 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 current versions of it you know have uh, comic uh, transitions and that sort of sure. thing. Sure. So and I think it's just good to just build the audience in that way. Um, and then also in March or April, um, Big Jim Miller is coming down all the way from Canada to uh, talk to some students at uh, the University of Saint Francis here in town about animation and comics and and art and that sort of thing. Um, so that's what we've got lined up so far. And then the show in May. Um, but, uh, every year we also do, uh, li- uh, workshops at the Allen County library for kids, like a, a kid's comics workshop. And my buddy, Matt Gross, he does that and does a really awesome job. Uh, and then we do, uh, adult comics. Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Cats. And, uh, and then we do an uh, adult comics workshop as well. Um, really the idea, I mean, to me is just, I, I think because of the size of this community, there is a, there are a lot of opportunities to reach out and grab a really sizable portion of people because the city over the uh, after last year has gotten really behind what I'm doing, and um, they're helping me to put banners up all over town and that sort of thing, and um, I, I think it's a good opportunity to just educate people about comics, and um, I and I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, and if you don't, please feel free to engage me. No, we but, will. <laughs> good that's what friends are for that's right um 
But no, I, I really think that if we're going to attract people to the medium, the, the future of the medium to get new people in is, is indie comics. And, uh, I don't mean necessarily like undergrounds, but, but, um, graphic novels or what, you know, you can call them comics. I, they're comics to me, but if someone wants to call it a graphic novel, I don't give a shit. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that's what grabs people. Uh, it's people like Jeffrey Brown. It's people like, uh, it's people like Jim Rugg. It's people like, uh, it's people like Tom Scholey. It's people, it's people like Peter Bag. It's, or Paul Hornschmier or, or, you know, anybody Piscor. else. Yeah, Ed, Ed Piscor, anybody. Those are the people that are going to create new, if such a thing exists, new comics fans and, and the fans that are going to stick with the medium for a long time. Completely agree. Um, and so, and I, I, we, I make with the show considerable efforts to educate people about that because so many people I think come to have come to the show, either this show or Summit City in the past, and said, uh, and, and with an attitude that it was superhero comics or superhero comics only, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's okay, but it's not the same thing, and um, it's. Uh, and I think that for many, at least adult readers, they have a pejorative view of superhero comics. They think that they're they're wrong, but they think they're for kids. Right. And, I was and, just going to say that the, the the guys you mentioned are almost free of that stigma of of the mainstream superhero comic, and so the potential for their audience uh, is a lot greater than, say, you know, if you had Marvel and DC dudes down there, that audience is only going to be so big. Because of that, that mainstream stigma, you know, that the, the comics are for kids, right? Right. But yeah. you get a guy like Ed Piscor who is reaching, geez, I don't know how many people just from Boing Boing alone. Right. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. And I think by, by teaching people that there, that there is something there, there actually is something for everyone. Um, we, we can attract a lot of people that way. And I, I try to keep track as much as I can. And, um, you know, I, and I talk to, I do like an informal survey of creators after the show. And, um, and, and I try to keep an eye on people and I ask, um, attendees questions and that sort of thing. But, uh, um, I think just by my rough estimation, about 25 to 30% of the people that come to the show have either never read a, uh, they fit into one of these categories. They've never read a comic before, ever, ex- outside of the newspaper. Um, they have never been to a, a comic book convention before, uh, or they thought that comics were something entirely different. Hmm. Um, and to me, I think, to me, that's an exciting thing. It means that my job changes slightly because I have to teach these people what to do and, you know, what to look for and that sort of thing. And that's okay. But that tells me that there's actually that there's a a lot of people here in the city that, um, or at least in, if not the city, then the region that want comics. They at least are interested by them. They want to find out what they are and find out if they do like them. And I think some of that is sort of a seed change that's just happening generally. But I think and I think that's not. I don't think it's because of things like the Avengers. I think that that helps. But I think it's because of things that are not superhero. I think it's because of The Walking Dead. Whatever somebody we think we as fans think of that show, to people outside of comics, they're blown away that that's a comic book. Um, 
and uh, that's that's drawing people in. They're curious and they want to know what the medium is. So I I've decided that part of my show's mission is to reach those people and to teach them what it is and to get them invested and to find out, you know, why we love this so much, you know? Yep. Um, I don't know if I'm blathering or not. No, but... no, 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 no. And see, that's the thing. You're always thinking. One of the things about your conventioneering uh, habits that that impressed me the most is it wasn't too long uh, last year after Appleseed ended and I was talking to you on Skype about something else, something completely unrelated, and you were working on the next Appleseed show. Yeah. And, and I was like, Zach, it just ended like last week. What the hell are you doing? And you're like, got it. I got to do it. And yep. and you, you you just jumped in like immediately after it was over and started working on the next one. That's a uh, diligence I do not possess. But that, you know. A lot of hard work. It, it, it is a lot of hard work. But, you know, the thing is, is I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, I don't make a lot of money on the show. I don't. Right. And I don't, I'm okay with that. I'm not saying that's like I'm not. That's not an oh woe is me thing. I don't make a lot of money on the show because the money that I do make is automatically reinvested back into. Well, that's it. just smart. Yeah. Well, it yeah. Sometimes it is. Well, it, it's not that it's it's not that I think it's dumb in any situation. But right. But if it's not costing you anything, if you're not if it's not right. out of pocket, then why not? Right. It is I, called a labor of love. Yeah. yeah. And, Hey, I I did one for two years, and I would never take it back. It was some of the best experiences I've ever had. I made you know, hopefully lifelong relationships with s- some creators that I absolutely adore, and the volunteers that we had, and the, the the vendors, and the people that were involved. It was a great experience. That said, it was an incredible amount of work for not a whole lot of monetary reward and we were not in it to make money you know we could have we could have we could have squeezed every dime out of it but it would have made it you know a, a tenth of the show that it that it ended up being and people wouldn't have enjoyed it as much you know so if right. you, it is a labor of love and the only people that can really understand that are people that have done shows like that or put on events where it was just their goal was to get the you know the, Sal and I said it for for 2 years it's an excuse for us to get our favorite people in comics together in one place so we can hang out with them right i i equate it to um this dog and pony show we got going on why the hell do we do this every week we're sure as hell not making any money that's what i'm saying we're not making shut up you we're not making any money at this uh so why do we keep doing it well because we love it it's the same deal why does zach keep kicking out these great shows because he has to he's got he's got nothing else you know what I mean? Your wife is an empty shell filled only by this one. There you go. <laughs> Man, I, I won't. I won't encourage my wife to listen to this one to hear, so she doesn't hear that. Um, yeah, uh, his children no joy in his life. Just the that's show. right. Tell her it's because Vince is on the almond milk. That's right. <laughs> I get creepy on on almond milk. Almond milk. Nah, but we're yeah. glad you do it, and um, yeah. Well, I, from what I hear, uh, they've been winners every time, uh, more so each successive year. I just want to be assured of one thing, okay? Yeah. If I make the damn trip down there, mm-hmm. am I going to be able to complete my Spawn Pog collection? Oh, Jesus Christ. Or not? I don't, I don't fucking know. Whoa. Uh, I tell you what, I tell you what I will do. You do have a dealer's room, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. it pogs well, or no pogs. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, there's dealers there, of course. 
Um, I need two more. Uh, but what I can do, <laughs> if uh, what I, I can't promise you, you'll find it. But I promise you that I will make sure that I take you to every store in the area so that you can look. Wow! And, and the flea market. Oh, you just wow. tipped the scales. Now, now I'm not, and I'm now I'm not looking for any any promises or any favors or whatever. But I'll come and 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 the one thing that 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 I'll I'll want is I've got my my, my JLA jam piece has one square in it, and I have not wanted to complete that jam piece because I know that there's I know that as soon as I do, then I'm gonna be like, oh no, I should have done this, and mm-hmm. so. Um, um, I got a little two by three section that uh, a Steranko Mister Miracle would look perfect in there. It would just look perfect. Yeah, it's. I don't see anything that could be more perfect than a Steranko Mister Miracle. I, I I think that would be quite perfect. That yeah. would be a beautiful. That so would we'll be see. the most beautiful thing you can imagine. <laughs> so I'll make the trip down and uh, and uh, and we'll see. So I'll tell you what. I'll come down if I can be Shirley's valet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would complain about that. All right, I'll do it. I'll be like Jerome. I'll, I'll have the mirror next to him just so he can look at himself every time. Perfect. Yep. All right. Yeah, that, can't wait. Um, I, I, I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited about the whole thing to come together. And like I said, there's still nine months left. And I've got, with the Kickstarter being su- successful, um, I've got some more wiggle room to try to attract some additional people. And... Um, I promise you that I will try. Awesome. So, um, so you just mentioned it, um, Kickstarter. There's seven days left. Uh, well, this will air on Friday. So, on as of Friday, uh-huh. May t- or uh, May August yeah. 23rd, there are eight days left. Nice. Okay. And where can you find? You just go to Kickstarter and look up Appleseed. You can go to Kickstarter and look up Appleseed, or you can go to AppleseedCon.com/slash/Kickstarter. Or if you're lazy. Uh, Zach will. I'll get the link and I will embed it. Email Zach directly. No, no, I will. I will embed that link in the uh, episode thread for this uh, show, and you can come to our forum, David. Forum.pulpinbiltonspodcast.com. Right, and it it'll be in in that thread. You can just click on it, be effortless, and just go there and support Mister Crucy and his efforts because they are very much worthwhile, and uh, you should just do it because it's the right thing to Thank do. You. Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll be getting audio from that show because I'm I'm looking forward to going down there and talking to some of those folks. Good. Well, Bye. we need intros. We need more intros, Mister yeah. uh, Neesman. So get on that. I, I just I want to be a fly on the wall and hear Stranko and Rug talk to each other. I, can you can you imagine what they would talk about? Oh no, I can't. And that's like, what's amazing. Yeah. Most most panels or most conversations would be like, oh yeah, okay, that sounds about right. What those guys could go on about is probably going to melt brains. It, yeah. it it would be so awesome. See now, there's but, there's a quandary now because is the resulting audio, um, I don't want to say owned, but would that be uh, posted on the quad or? Could we? Oh no! I if Jim records the show, Jim records it for for Jim, and Jim posts it. How the hell with his show? I'm worried about us. I want it for here. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, I, if I have some sort of like reproduction right to it, then of course. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, two two things, and then let's we uh we can move on or whatever. But um, one is uh, one of the Starenko's sort of stipulations stipulations for coming in on friday um 
uh, Friday night. He said, well, I'll come in on Friday if we do a dinner with Steranko type event. <laughs> so I said, oh, oh, well, I don't know. Let me think about that one. <laughs> so, so the Friday before the show, we're going to do a dinner with Steranko where we're going to get a room in a restaurant and uh, it'll be uh, a limited um, a limited availability type thing. Oh, man. Uh, it'll just be a dinner with Jim Steranko, just booze and food and Steranko. Um, it's like Hefner's show. What was that, that show that Hefner used to do, Playboy After Dark or something? Remember Hefner's really old? Um, it, it was like a. It was kind of oh, like yeah, a talk show where they'd be like, but they'd like show footage from the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, and they'd just be hanging and smoking and drinking and yeah. just having fun. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I feel like it's going to be just like that. Um, oh. And the, the other thing, and this is just a quick plug for the Kickstarter. We're in uh, stretch goal territory, mm-hmm. and if we hit uh, if we hit eighty five hundred, which I think I, I feel pretty good that we will. If we hit 8500 then anybody who has uh, purchased a sketch or a commission or a piece of original art through the Kickstarter will get a free weekend pass to go along with it. Oh, wow. Um, and there's still some really awesome um, sketch and uh, original art and commission uh, slots available. I know that Peter Bagg has several um, original art pages from uh, the series he did for Dark Horses, uh, or uh, the series Reset that he did for Dark Horse, I should say. Um are available and basically it's um as folks buy those pledges they in the order that they that they purchase them or that they pledge for them uh they'll get their pick of any of the pages from the series so um so those are available and if we hit 8500 then anybody that buys original art or a sketch slot or commission slot will get a uh, free weekend pass for the show that's incredibly generous i hope so advertising yeah, I mean, this is starting to be a little powerhouse show in the Midwest. I'm proud yeah. of you. Thank you, thank you. Well, hey, listen, I wasn't—you know me—I'm not—I'm not a kiss-ass type. I'm not kidding. I would never have thought to run a show this way if not for what you and Sal had done yeah. at Windy City. I, yeah. I really, seriously, because I did. You, I, you, you, you have—you've surpassed us and and moved into your own your own level of the atmosphere, man. I'm very proud of you. Well, thank you. So I, I appreciate that. You don't have to say that. The room you. is filling up with love. It's getting it disgusting. Is. Yeah. 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 So, Screw you, Vince. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's related to the show. <laughs> All right. Um, should we move on to some comic talk about, uh, you know, personal comic talk? Yes. Well, Chris wanted to be first. What did you read? Yeah. I was sorry. I was out of practice there. I was getting, you know, messed up. Um, I uh, I reignited my love for American Vampire um, in the last couple of weeks. The uh, the fifth hardcover uh, came out, and it's just it's one of those it's one of those few books that whenever a collection comes out, I'll start reading it, and I can't stop. It's I I'll I'll be up, you know, my eyes are getting all sandpapery, and and I'm you know just can hardly stay awake but i'm like i can't stop reading this american vampire is fucking awesome it is so well done and it doesn't it it, albuquerque is is the man on this book his art just sings on these pages and when snyder and albuquerque are together it is just it is sex on paper but they've they've been able to bring in some other artist um sean murphy is is one of them um that 
have expanded the universe and or the world that 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 they're building there and it just it fits every time well in the fifth volume uh dustin Wynn is uh is an artist in yeah i don't want it, it was a mini series that uh that takes place outside of the main pearl and and skinner sweet story which is the the through line story but they've been able to like spin off and do these other great stories the the world war ii story and they kind of go you know decade by decade and so there was uh, a five issue series um called um lord of nightmares which introduces um their version of dracula into into the uh, American vampire mythos, and it brings back some uh, familiar characters that that you've seen in past in past minis. And w- one of the things that I love about the series is that you get to see characters age and grow and mature. I mean, it starts in in the old American West and in in the the nineteen twenties. So um, you, the the Pearl story starts in the 1920s, but they had all the the flashbacks to to Skinner in the Old West. So it really kind of starts in you know I'd say what the American 1860s, 70s, something like that, um, and it just goes forward. It takes these these 10 year leaps, and you're seeing how the world around them changes and how these characters the, how the vampires don't age but they um, they become you know older and hopefully wiser and, and their characters evolve but then all of the people in their lives you see them age and they're getting old and their relationships change and new characters are, are introduced in it and it's just it is done so well and the world that that they're building it everything fits together so perfectly and the storytelling is rock solid i think this is it it's approaching like 100 bullets level of in 10 years in in 15 years in 20 years people are going to look back at this series and say that it was one of the best ones of of this era of comics so Hmm. there that's my spiel i've fallen behind a little bit I read, it, well, I read it in collections. The hardcovers are beautiful. They do a really nice job with them, and um, I, I have no problem read them, reading them in the in the hardcovers. And you catch up really quickly. And that's why one of the reasons I really like it is because the char- it takes me no time to jump back into them because the characters are so fleshed out and so realized and so yeah. three dimensional. I don't forget who they are. I know who the characters are as soon as I jump back in. It's like, oh, it's that guy, or it's oh, it's yeah. that character from you know four storylines ago that they're reintroducing they're that they're that fleshed out and that's with my old addled um brain if i can recall characters after not reading a series for for six or eight months that that tells me that something is very right about this series right now did they number the sean murphy uh what was it survival of the fittest mini in the five or is that its own separate thing it is. It is. Yes, it is in that they they include the supplemental miniseries into the collections. Oh, nice! So like, it was like Lord of Nightmares was a uh, a standalone miniseries. It was a one through five, um, but then the rest of the rest of it is issues twenty eight through thirty four. Is that right? How big is it? 
thick. Jeez, um, that's it's it's pretty good size. Well, what's the cover price on that? Um, it is twenty nine ninety nine. That's not bad. No, it's not. It's got uh, it's got what five? Six, yeah, yeah. So it's eleven issues. Very nice. I like them that's nice good. and chunky. Yeah, sink yeah. your teeth into that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gorgeous and it's gorgeous stuff. And then you know you go from the D- Dustin Wynn is a beast. He is so good. But then you go to the Albuquerque stuff, and you're like, oh, you know, it's different. But you know, those See, guys, he, those guys carry a- atmosphere so well. But uh, Snyder, mm-hmm. the, the whole American Vampire look between Albuquerque and then I, I'm I'm blanking on the first, um. I don't want to call him Fillin, but 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 the second alternating arc artist, uh, and then you had Murphy and and like and like you just said, Dustin Gwynn. I mean, he's they all have a similar gritty kind of scratchy style, and they're all their own, but it all just works in that mm-hmm. in, in in the story Snyder is telling. And and you're right, word like Vince, I'm so behind. You're reading it in the collections, Christopher, but even even. Though I haven't seen or thought or read about these characters in months, I know if something were to happen to them in a story that I'm reading, when I finally get around to reading it, I'll it, it will it will hit me. It, it, it will affect me. It's not like it would just be I'm picking it up and okay, I'm moving the story along because something just happened to so and so. It's still there's still a connection I have to these characters when I haven't even seen them in in ages. Oh, and what's what's great is that they've actually gotten generational about it. It's like the the original um, uh, sheriff that was hunting down Skinner in in the the first Old West story. You know, his daughter is at, at this point in her um, elderly years. She's she's a character that you saw you know come up through the series, and and she's now in her old age, but still a relevant and important character in the in the whole mythos that they're that they're building. And I'm just like, that is that is so cool. It's great. I'm gonna have to catch it, up. It, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really really well done. I'm trying to grab my other my other copies here because you're right. They've had a really nice list of of artists, um, but I think Albuquerque. Hasn't he done all of the? He's done all of the main issues, right? The the actual what? No, one well, he did do. He, he did the first arc. And well, this, then, yeah, and then they had like the 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 bat, not backup stories, but the flashback stories, and that may have been done by someone else. Those are the ones Stephen King wrote, right? Well, that was uh, yeah. the, that was the first. That was the first collection. King was only on it for the through throughout the first collection backup stories, but the second, the um. Uh, the, the actress's roommate. She was part of the second arc, and that wasn't drawn by Albuquerque. Hmm. Oh, then you had Jordy Bernay. Oh, right. Yeah, when there the story in the caves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was the the original American Vampire, which is which is a great revelation. Um, yeah, they've they, it's everyone that's been involved in it has been has been pretty pretty freaking fantastic it's a great yeah. book we'll look at the Bernay stuff right now and it's it's pretty sharp you like the oh who's the um talk about bad recollection the uh the 1950s character the um um 
um, the greaser character. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or is it Dirk? It's crap. I can't remember his name. I I, I like the character, but um, there's a nice little foreshadowing that we have not seen the last of him. Hmm. He wears white socks. Yes. They all get back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, Dirk. Black leather jacket and yeah. The the rolled up jeans. Nice. So I, I'm it's Travis. Sorry. Oh, it's not Dirk. No, it's Travis. No, I like Dirk. Dirk's a great name. <laughs> looks like a Dirk. <laughs> so yeah, American Vampire. It's awesome. Even though one thing that they okay, here's my because I can't leave in you know anything without being um, critical about something. Um, they they didn't change their trade dress, but they did the same fucking thing that they did with the Swamp Thing hardcovers. They went from a really nice. Um, tacky matte finish on the dust jackets to like a really super high gloss dust jacket on this latest edition. Isn't so, that annoying as hell? <laughs> they should just take the lead from uh, Marvel's lead and just throw away the dust jackets and just print that uh, nice wraparound cover. I tell you what, the bef- the Before Watchmen um, did that, and and they're really nice. I, I love I, that. I, love yeah. it. Yeah, it's just you know, just just print a really nice cover on your hardcover and and ditch the the dust jackets. Yep, twenty first damn century. We don't need dust jackets anymore. There you go. Yeah, I I agree with you, sir. Yep. But uh, yeah, read uh, read American Vampire. Well, well, I, I have a little bit of a quandary here because I have four things I can talk about. Oh my! Well, and, and I'll let you guys pick. How are you? How are you going to whittle that down? I'm well. I, hopefully, I won't have to, um, because one of them, like I said, not the greatest. So I'm not going to go on and on about that. Uh, I have one from Alternative Comics. I have one from DC of all companies. What? Uh, one's from what? One's from Dynamite, and one's from IDW. So that's four. Well, I, I... David, what, what, what do you want to hear about? Okay, wait. It's DC. Yeah, alternative. Uh huh. Um, Dynamite and IDW. If the Dynamite isn't written by Andy Parks, I'll <laughs> say let's let's roll the dice on the DC. Oh, this is a sure bet. It's Ooh. a sure bet, and I didn't know that going in because the track record. Uh, yes, the track record with this property uh, in the New Fifty Two was not good. Not good at all. Let's just say. Oh, uh, gee, don't narrow it down. Um, it, it's it's a six-issue miniseries uh, written by Paul Levitz, art oh. by Mr. Chris Batista and Mark Deering. Is that Legion? Uh, colors by Wes Hardman. Let's go back once again to the future, the 31st century, and take another stab at a ground-level reworking of the Legion of Superheroes. I and, didn't know that, but that's the only thing that Levitz is ever going to write for that company. That, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Uh, the, the, the single name immediately associated with this, uh, team is Paul Levitz. And, and for, rightly so, because the man has done a lot of great work with, uh, the kids. Unfortunately, like I said, the ongoing Legion and Legion Lost were at, oh. at best fair to middling. They got a, the Legion book proper got a little bit better when Mr. Keith Giffen was doing the artistic chores, but he didn't last long. 
And to be honest, I only bought it when Giffen came back. I, I dumped Legion way early into the run. I think I lasted maybe four issues. Right, David? What last? Wait, say it again. The the Legion book that started New Fifty Two, the ongoing. I, oh. I lasted about four issues on that, and it was sad because I've been reading Legion. Yeah, you lasted longer than I did. I've been reading Legion forever. It seems yeah. you know, uh, and there have been a lot of great teams to to do the Legion. Uh, not the least of which, like I said, was Mister Levitt. So I thought, hey, Levitt's is doing the Legion, sure thing. Uh, fortunately, they they fumbled uh, out of the gate. Um, if this six issue miniseries had been the book that launched the new 52 legion it would have had a lot longer legs we'd still be reading a legion title i'm i'm confident if this is the uh, the angle they went with initially it, it would still be going on because uh, as you know the legion ongoing is canceled and unfortunately that means it's going to be a nice little stretch until we get another legion book cuz i'm betting that they're going to let it steep for a while they're not going to go back to the well on the legion for I think it's going to be a good year, probably two, until we see a, another Legion book, because it it I think it failed miserably. It it was just not good, and um, it, for some reason, the Legion, although their 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 numbers, their the fans are Legion, it doesn't seem to get uh, a toehold of the marketplace. It, it, it at best. It lasts a couple of years and then it goes away and then they reboot it again. I think that's one of the big problems with Legion is they're always reworking it. But this miniseries t stays pretty much true to the, the, the essence of the Legion that, that has been trailing through all the incarnations. Um, when the book opens, the United Planets has its hands full trying to relink Earth with all its children scattered across the universe. The different planets have been seeded by uh, humanity and over, uh, well, it's been hundreds of years, and they have lost track of some, some they didn't know about. So United Planets is trying to corral all the children of Earth. But there's trouble in, in the universe. Uh, there's a planet called Anotrom, and a once tranquil, tranquil little uh, world uh, currently the site of murder on a mass scale the uh, science police touches down and there are just dead bodies everywhere and not just not just murdered I mean these people were at one point used for target practice I mean just nasty bloodthirsty vindictive flat-out inhumane killing just animalistic death all over the place but that's not the only thing there are these little contraptions strewn all over the joint, and uh, it turns out to be that they're highly explosive, and the uh, UP has no idea what they are. So when you are uh, at a loss for information, where do you go? Who do you ask? Where are the big brains in the universe? They are on Kalu. And they secure the help of uh, one of their big brains. Uh, lucky for them, they get the biggest brain, Mr. Twelfth Level Intellect himself, Brainiac 5. Coral Dox comes in to help suss out what the hell these, these little things are. Um, and, and while this is going on, you get um, an assassination attempt on the, the life of Mr. Deep Pockets himself, R.J. Brand. 
And who steps in to thwart the assassins? Guess. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't take Brainiac 5 to figure it out. It, it's Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning, Lightning Lad. Lad. In, in their, uh, well, this is before the Legion, so they're just kids. Okay. And, and they step in and they, they stop the assassins. And that gives Mr. Brand the bright idea. Hey, this wouldn't be a bad thing for the universe to have a, a, uh, a bunch of super-powered kids helping out in times of need. So uh, he uses his very substantial uh, fortune and creates the Legion. Um, while all this is, see, there's a, a number of little uh, plot threads going on through this series, but it's never cumbersome. Uh, Levitz works it all together in a way it's very exciting. Uh, I was impressed because, you know, there, there's, like I said, there's the thing on Anatrom with the explosive devices. There's a formation of the Legion. Meanwhile, you have the United Planets has a three-member clandestine cabal known as the Security Directorate that are monitoring these events as they unfold. You have uh, an Earth man named Mycroft who's very wary of R.J. Brand and his uh, machinations. You have a Kaluan named Zarl Jax, and there is a representative from Nalthor, who we know uh, they have presentience there. Uh, her name is Anisia. She senses something very special about uh, the uh, Trinity, which is Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad. Uh, and she claims that the formation uh, of this little legion is crucial, not only to the survival of Earth, but the universe as well. But there's something lurking behind the scenes that does not want the Legion to come to be. And uh, back on Anatrom, a wormhole just happens to open up around the planet. Uh, at first, it sends probes through, which the United Planets quickly dispatch. But the little uh, things emerging from the uh, wormhole don't stay little very long. You get uh, warships and gigantic battle dreadnoughts coming through, and they need help because the United Planets just can't deal with it. The ships are getting so big. What do they do? Well, the kids help out, and by now, the Legion is more than three. I mean, they drafted Tinya Wazo, which we know as Phantom Girl. Triplicate Girl shows up, Invisible Kid, uh, Lyle Norg from Earth. Colossal Boy, Chameleon Boy, Ultra Boy, they, uh, all of the characters we, we know and love so well from the Legion eventually pop up. Thankfully, no Dream Girl. I was very pleased not to see her. Um, but even that's not enough. So, um, Tinya, uh, Phantom Girl, who plays a very crucial role in this miniseries, uh, I would say if you had a pick a hierarchy of how important the characters are to this miniseries, it would be Brainiac 5, then Phantom Girl, then the Legion Trinity, because uh, without Phantom Girl, Brainiac 5 could not have come to terms with the, the stuff pouring out of this, this, this wormhole, because as Phantom Girl was so um, willing to tell Brainiac 5 that she comes from an asynchronous world, uh, she says it on a number of occasions, and the idea, the very, the very uh, concept that the, the, her world is asynchronous just takes it, it gets its hooks in Brainiac and he, he, he has trouble dealing with it uh, to the point where he keeps mulling it over and he uses 
that concept to create a time bubble and sends the Legion Trinity back to Earth to possibly corral the uh, one of the inspirations for the Legion, and that is Superman. But thankfully, it doesn't happen. This is a completely Legion-based series. Superboy does not join the party at all. Another, another plus in, in, in my book for Levitz because, I mean, that's always the fallback, isn't it? Is, oh. but, but is he referenced as oh, the he, reason? No, not, uh, not the main reason. The, the reason, um, for the Legion's existence is why Superboy is the inspiration because like, thank you. that's what I was, that's Well, part of. part of the inspiration because during the whole thing, Brand says, yes, we, we must be stalwart and, 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 and battle these, these, um, you know, invaders like the legendary Superman. And some of them don't even think that he was real. They think he's just a, you know, a, a tall tale from the past. But they go back to get Superboy, and there's something wrong with the time bubble. Um, so they think it was actually the thing behind the scenes throwing a, a, a spanner in the works so they wouldn't get Superboy, which would have been a shoe-in. I mean, they got Superboy, it would have been all over a, a lot sooner. But they didn't. They had to, they had to battle this thing, to use their own devices to... to to, to fight it and it, the series is even better for it to just keep superboy out of it um if you're going to sell the legion sell the legion not superman right right yeah so um push comes to shove it all comes out well thanks to brainiac 5 and um phantom girl and like i said if this was the book that started it all damn the legion would have a new lease on life because it was really good compelling even um and you can probably guess the the nasty lurking in the shadows i mean if again you say levitz we say legion you say legion who's the big villain from from legion i mean in a, in a sense levitz didn't take some five no no single well, if it's if oh. if it's not I, I would say the time trapper. Yeah, and you'd be right. I mean, okay. it's, it's the time trapper, but the I mean, the, it, its fingers are in a lot of different pots. There's a reason why R.J. Brand's people and his, uh, you know, his machinery and all of the things that surround him are attacking him. I mean, the Legion saves his life more than once. In fact, it almost gets too much to count after a while. Like they're just always there to save his life. And uh, he just keeps funneling that enthusiasm back into the team and just getting more kids. And it's a, it's a really amazing, well done series. And I was I was very very um, pleased that it was so. I, I mean, I I love the Legion, long live the Legion, baby. But uh, performance wise, they haven't done the best in recent uh, memory. But I, so I'm glad this was out there. And uh, let's let's get another Legion book going pretty soon. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because uh, fans of the series want certain things in their Legion books, but those are the very things that have proven not to click with the casual mainstream comic book reader. I mean, Legion's a hard sell, unfortunately. Uh, they're the very thing that makes it's intimidating. The, it's it is no, but the very thing that makes Legion unique is the thing that's very daunting to the average reader. Nobody wants to jump into the Legion proper and just learn all these freaking characters and, and all their planets and, and how each relate to, you know, why is Phantom Girl making blinky eyes at Brainiac 5? Like, why? Well, in this series, they give you a certain bit of information, but in old 
other like past series, you know why. You know what I mean? And it's just it's daunting. It, it's a formidable task to get into the Legion, and that's the main thing that uh, dashes any kind of hopes DC has with a, a long running Legion series. It's tough. Yeah, I want I, I want to see it, but yeah. I never actually I've actually never read. Well, that's not true. I've read very very little Legion ever. Yeah. It's 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 a I've hard read, nut to crack. I've read the sh- well. You know, the thing is, is, it's not that I'm not interested in. I just haven't done it, to be honest. I, I read Rebels. I read both Rebels series. The, Those are um, great. Yeah, which are both awesome, like really good. But I've never, outside of the showcase of the old Silver Age stuff, I've never read any Legion proper anything. Mm-hmm. And then, and then visually, um, I can only speak for myself. But if if I if they propose a new Legion series, I want to see Keith Giffen on the art. But as we've all come to see, uh, Giffen does not exactly ignite the sales charts. Uh, he's in that Kirby homage mode, and unfortunately, that doesn't have any traction uh, for the most part in the marketplace, which sucks because for me, Leg- uh, Giffen is the perfect Legion artist. I mean, that five years later stuff, that stuff was gold, man. Um Leech and Lost, the Abnet Landing Quapel is Yes, yes. Awesome. And Amazing. and the the Legion series that came right before Infinite Crisis was great as well. Where they were um, Oh, is that the Wade Kitson stuff? I love that series. Yeah. That was great. And and that that's why I say, um when when I was reading Avengers Infinity this week, uh Barry Kitson drew it. And I can't see him drawing anything else but Legion. Like I, 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 I wow, tweet, really? yeah, I tweeted. I said, "Why are the Legion dressed up like the Avengers?" <laughs> I, I, this is strange. But it, you know, it's tough, and that's that's all on me, right? That that's anybody else would probably, well, pro- hopefully not feel that way. But I see Kitson. Damn, it just brings back all the memories from that great Legion series. See, I think yeah. Well, all right, so that's. When I I think of Kitson, I think of not so much the the Legion stuff he did with Wade and and Mick Gray, but the um, the the Legion eighty nine, the Legion ninety with Viral Docs oh, and Mike yeah. and, and um, but Mike McCone also from back then. So yeah. I mean, and oh, actually no, it would probably be J- JLA Year One. I, I thought that was a great. Um, great series to, to try to reboot or, or, or retell uh, the Justice League getting together and the band getting together as far as that goes. And I think, I, I just think they need to do baby steps. Yeah. The Legion. Like you had, you have, you have the big three, you have the Holy Trinity and then, you know, slowly bring everybody in instead of hitting you over the head with, you know, the whole group and yeah and, it's uh, tough it, it's it's a yeah. really big cast but then again so is the x-men mm-hmm. yeah but even but but the x-men have so many books where you can have right. you know the, you have the new brian wood x-men and that's just that 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 storm psylocke rachel kitty jubilee and rogue okay great and then you have you know then you have the other you you have uncanny you have all new and yeah and and there may be a lot and, and things are confusing with the whole time travel and the original five, but um, there's still, they concentrate on 
one or two or a few characters an issue mm-hmm. so you're not overwhelmed and, and have to find out who this character is, what have I missed, where did they first appear and try to read everything up to that point. You don't right. have to. They're, 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 the story is told smartly so, so you can just kind of follow along with what's between those covers. But yeah, I... Um, but there I, is, I, is a lot of history. With those characters, there's, I mean, like no, like I any long running series today, and I was like, and that just brought back memories because you know there was the whole mystery of of her, and and then there was, I mean, I remember um, Element Lad. Yeah, Lad. I was I was I was saying uh, the history in terms of X Men. I mean, w- whenever you see Storm in a, in a comic, there's a whole lot of baggage that comes along sure. with with Storm. So both series have their share of um, demands. Uh, on on the average reader like you're not gonna jump in i mean if you had never read an x-men book before and somebody threw all the titles at you that would be incredibly daunting to to, yeah, but to the, make but the sense thing of all they do this with legion is that every time there's a new legion book it's they they strip it down and, and yeah right it. yeah and and that's, so there is no history to it it's great well yeah there is but you got to say what is this the three boot is this the five years later yeah. stuff you know it's just nuts um uh, and and another thing i think it was incredibly um there wasn't a whole lot of foresight involved in the new 52 in launching two legion books simultaneously that's extremely wishful thinking i mean it it would be amazing if the one found uh some footing not not two oh it's just that's that's crazy talk but uh, I don't know. It's it, it. The Legion brings me great joy, and on the other hand, it saddens me a lot because I, I think it's way past the 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 realms of possibility to get a really good ongoing Legion series. Like I'm talking like ten years, a, ni- oh, a nice nice long tear. It, it, uh, you're right. No, you're, I think at you're this right. Point, you're hoping for like a good you know thirty two issue run. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But yeah. that's that's. I mean, outside of you know what five or ten comics that's that's all you can really hope for yeah it's true um another i'll give wade uh, more props I- incredibly smart to throw a curveball and bring supergirl in instead of superboy that was really smart to do that mm-hmm. absolutely um, i i'm maybe i'm in the minority but whenever i get a legion book superman is the farthest thing i want to appear in that book i just he's he's got his own gig and and many titles of his own keep him out of the legion they don't, they don't need them. Yeah. So there you go. That's, 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 I, two really big thumbs up. A plus, amazing book. Uh, I, I'm a better person for having read it. It, 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 it brought me great joy. Yep. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, I've seen Batista look better. But okay. that's, I mean, even, even, you know, good Batista is something to see, you know? So it's it's certainly not bad looking, but I I've seen the man sparkle uh, a tiny bit more. This this was good enough, damn it. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? I I don't I don't have much. You see, what 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 does Zach have after he you know he doesn't he's the guest. I got uh-huh. I got something. I he's got something that I hope he's going to talk think, about. And I think yeah, I yes, uh, yeah, I I, th- I think this w- this will bring David right in. I've never read. Um, this might sound awful, I suppose, but I've never read Telos. 
Uh, oh, ex- uh, I, I never had. Yeah, it. I never Ringo read stuff. it either. Uh, I, I never read Talos outside of a couple of issues. Same here. So, um, so today, yeah, it's very pretty. So today, I hopped onto Comicsology, and they've got the the is big. It still, is it still eight bucks? Yeah, eight bucks for like Sweet. almost three hundred pages of comics. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. That's, yeah that's I keep hovering over that buy now button. Yeah, I I just bit. Um, and he does. I started reading it today, and I got about <laughs> not that hard though. Um, unless you want me to. Um, but anyway, I got about eighty pages into it today, and I really, really like this. It's very good, and I feel silly for not having read it sooner. Um, and the the first thing that uh, who wrote this? Uh, Todd Bizago, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. the, the first thing that I thought of when yep. I read this is, is, well, they just one of one or both of them had Joseph Campbell's Heroes Quest sitting right next oh, to them the whole time. Really? Yeah, it's it's absolutely the monomyth. Um, 80, 80 pages in, and it's the monomyth. Um, for people who don't know what that is, just get on Wikipedia and find it. It's in everything. Um, but it's really good. It's done very well, but it, it's got the whole thing. It's got the call. It's got the refusal of the call to adventure. It's got the mysterious, uh, you know, the, the ancient mystic or the older, you know, wise man or whatever that sends the hero on his quest. It's got the woman. It's got, you know, it's star Wars. Yeah. It's star. Well, yeah. And Campbell, that's the monomyth. Yeah. 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 Campbell's monomyth. I mean, was basically star Wars. Um, Lucas, you know, had Campbell sitting over his shoulder the whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh, see, but anyway, having okay. never read it, just going by what I've seen on the covers, I get a really strong commandy vibe from it. Um, but then again, I, but I get real strong commandy vibes from like soup can labels. So you that know, is true. yeah, you know, I, well, some I did, people might see the tiger and get a Calvin and Hobbes vibe. Well, see, the and the tiger, the tiger is what gave me a commandy vibe too before I had read it because I thought, uh, oh, Prince Tufton, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I reading it, I don't get that. I mean, like I said, I'm only eighty pages into it. Um, but uh, but I don't think that I didn't get a commandy vibe at all, other than just the general look of the characters and mm. the in the type of casting there is. Good. Um, and and the thing is, yeah, that's what I thought too. I was glad because I've read commandy and you know I've seen Planet of the Apes and I've got both and I like mm. those things as they are. I don't I don't want another telling of that. I want their story. Um, but. Uh, the the thing, uh, the story itself is fine. It's it's quite good, um, but uh, Mike Ringo's art is obviously the the real highlight of the whole thing, and the way that he draws Koj, I'm saying Koj, the the Tiger Man, mm-hmm. uh, is just every page is just exciting to see him, and it's just he's just such a I don't know. He's he's a character when you look at him, it's just delightful to look at him, and you're just interested by what he's going to be doing. And you you know he's obviously like you know this warrior character. He's got this heart of gold. And he's a former, you know, he's an escaped slave, and he's trying to free his people. So he's got all this other stuff that makes him endearing. But just looking at him, he like you just this will sound silly, but like you just want to hug him, and you're like oh, I, I I just want to be your friend, Koj, <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll do anything you ask. Just let me go with you on your on your great adventure. Um, but uh, but anyway, it's it's really good, and um, I, I think that the story really really benefits from being the monomyth, um, and it makes it makes what could be a really um, complex world very accessible. 
because it, it, it's a new world and they, and they don't spend a lot of time explaining things to you, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may, it's so accessible because of the fact that there is this very strong undercurrent of some, uh, of a story that everyone already knows, um, or at least sort of has some sort of intrinsic relationship with. Um, I, it, I don't know. I don't know if it will ever happen, but I would love to see this as an artist edition. Oh yeah! Didn't Image be... do an oversized thing? For yeah, you? I'm looking at it right now. It's a, it's an oversized hardcover, and it's gorgeous. It's it. They did a really really nice job with it. Um, it's a great hardcover. Yeah. Um, but I would, man, I would love to see an artist edition of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I miss Mike and his work. I really Big do. Time. Yeah, that's probably one reason why I haven't, I haven't um, read it or or. or bought it yet i just i don't want to it's it was uh because it was creator owned and it was it, 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 it was him and todd working on it it was obviously a labor of love and you know i mean i could read friendly neighborhood spider-man or the ff the, the oh, way his Ringo friend, castle fantastic, fantastic Four. Oh, I mean, there's, man. that, so, that run is just beautiful i it's 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 right behind Susie's the, the so freaking hot. It's, it was, I mean, from from pretty much from start to finish, it was. It, I I loved I loved that run, and and it was it it was. Um, but I don't. I I just I I guess that would kind of. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to put a period at the end of the. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's it, you know when I think of Waringo, I, I love his work, and. You you see his influence in so many people now. You can't mm-hmm. read a uh, a Ramon Perez book without seeing Waringo. You know, Scotty Young it will he could wax poetic about Waringo's influence on him, and not just artistically, but just you know in approaching the industry and jobs and and yeah. you know, art and and there's a whole whole school of those guys that Waringo was kind of the I don't want to say elder statesman, but he was definitely the more of the the veteran that saw these new, exciting, talented artists coming up that were breaking out of that '90s image uh, art mold, mm-hmm. and and I think he really embraced that and encouraged it, and really took a lot of those guys under his wing. So just hearing about the the influence that he had on on some of the you know some of the best guys in the industry today. Yeah. It, I mean, it just reinforces what a absolute tragedy it was that he was taken from us yep. so soon and, and and way way before his time. I see a ton of uh, Marengo in Bruce Timm's work. Okay. Yeah. Just um, mm-hmm. not his um, noir stuff, but you know. That's not all that Bruce Tim draws. I mean, when when Tim would would uh, tackle uh, the fourth world characters or you know any, anything um, in spandex, it's, I don't know. I see a lot of Roringo in it. Yeah, I can see that in the body shape. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. For me, for when I first read his stuff is when I uh, when I was in high school, I got out of comics for a little while, and then when I got back into comics when I like my freshman sophomore year of college was when was when he was on FF. And um, do you guys remember that nine cent issue they put out? Sure. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that was the first Mike Ringo comic I ever read. Yeah, that was the kickoff of their run. 
Yeah, and I just yeah, oh, I, I oh, picked shit. it up because I was like, well, shit, that's nine cents. Just throw it on the stack, mm. and you know, at, at by that you point, know, you know, I, I had read FF for years, but I was hooked on it after that. Do you know why it was nine cents? I can't remember. Because Detective Comics had a yep. dime issue. I was going to no, say because D- right. DC was coming out with their ten cent issue. Wasn't that the, it was, it the ten cent adventure? Wayne, no, it was uh, is Bruce Wayne Manhunter, some shit like that. Mm. But yeah, they were murderer. It was, Fugitive. 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 Like that. Yes. It was. It was. It was Detective Comics ten cent issue. So Marvel mm-hmm. said, "Well, we can go cheaper." Yeah, I was trying. It was. It was the kickoff <laughs> of that. That whole. Uh, <laughs> that whole run. Yep. Yeah. The, and the, it, because and then they renumbered it at the end of the um the, at the fourth part of the uh of the arc where Doom was looking for his and that was another thing, man. They they, they made Doom just downright freaky with the whole magic feel to it. Yep. Oh, yeah. oh, yep. God in the suit. That was. Oh, that I, has I, never gone away. It, yeah. No, it's just it's wait. I mean, Wade is just. He, I liked what he was doing with the Fantastic Four, making them the Imaginots and the whole family unit and everything, or really emphasizing that. But Ringo's work was just, I, I man, and and it it was because he was he was inked by Kessel so often when he did the. Um, one of the he, he did the Spider-Man Fantastic Four miniseries, and um, I think that was inked by it wasn't inked by Kessel. It may have been inked by by Von Graubacher, but it was it um, it didn't have that same magic that the Fantastic Four run had. But it was I yeah I I do I, I miss the dude. Wade's incredible at times. Well, more often than not, but because how do you make Doctor Doom a better <laughs> e- even more fleshed out character it i mean it boggles the mind it's it, it seems like an incredible incredible task to 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 pull off but he did it i mean the inclusion of magic yeah. it, with the science that's brilliant uh and and why why was it never thought of before yeah, well, yeah it, that was god i i love that stuff so much and then that issue where they go to hell oh whatever, yeah. yeah oh my god mommy i, rem- <laughs> I, I mean it was when I read that, I had done something I – I mean, obviously, I was just getting back to it. But I, I had read that, and I was at a friend's house. And that was the first time in a long time where I had read something, a comic. It was the first time since I was a little kid, really, where I had read a comic, and I passed it to my friends. And I said, you guys have to read this right now. And, like, four of us were sitting in the room, and we all read it individually. And um, I don't know. It, I mean, it was just to have that kind of – any kind of impact like that on me at the time or to anyone, I think, I mean, it sort of speaks to the power of the work yep. and, and, and that storytelling that, that those two had together and that I mean, it was just a great issue. It was a great story in general, but that issue in particular was really brilliant. And, and how do you cap off your run? Oh, you have the team meet their creator. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so simple and so effective. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great awesome. stuff. Yeah. But so yeah, I'm really glad I picked up Tells because I'm really, really, very much enjoying it, and uh, I feel I'm not really kicking myself, I guess, but uh, I wish I would have read it sooner so I could have already so I could be sharing it with other people before now. Well, now you can. Yeah. So now I can. Yeah. I'm gonna have but, to rectify my situation because I've never read that. I don't own it. Yeah, I, I maybe have one or two issues here and there, but uh, for the most part, I I, I need to fix that yeah it's it's good and like i said i mean anybody who's reading it digitally eight bucks for it, there's two volumes of the colossal edition that they have on there and eight bucks for almost 300 pages of comics is a hell of a deal so 
get cool. it. Sweet. Yes. That's the sweetness, Mr. Crucy. It is the sweetness. sweetness. It is. Uh, you, you were talking Comixology. Real quick, there, there's a book that's available on Comixology right now. Um, this is another of the books I've read for this week. The uh, initial print run has all been shipped to comic shops. So you can't get this other than signed copies for 20 bucks. And really, who wants that? Because uh, it's only five bucks cover price. Uh, other than getting those signed copies from the creator, if you don't find this in, the, in a comic shop, chances are you're not going to get it. Uh, but there is a sure way to get it, and that's digitally. Um, it is an amazing book uh, from uh, Alternative Comics, written and illustrated by Eric T. Johnson. And it's called The Outliers. Absolutely stunning. Uh um, not even the story is great, but the presentation, Chris, you will you're going to Jones on this. Sharp is an understatement. It, it's a 32 page book, but um, it's printed on French Durotone newsprint paper. Uh, it's black and white, but they do color accents. Like the first half of the book has green accents, and the second has blue. The cover is printed letterpress. Ooh. Silver ink on pop tone hot fudge paper, and the thing has a dust jacket printed really? on yeah, printed on four color durotone butcher paper. Oh neat! Visually, it is amazing. Uh, Johnson's an illustrator uh, who has appeared in uh, New Yorker, Newsweek, New York Times publications, Mother Jones. Uh, I mean, a lot of high profile periodicals but he has this gorgeous um kind of lyrical brushy style maybe a combination between david lapham by way of say rubber blanket era mazzuccelli uh with a tiny little bit of jeff lemire in there it, it's so beautiful um it, this story there's it just picks up hits the ground running you get this little boy named sue and it's spelled t-s-u so a boy a boy named sue he doesn't speak very much um and because of that he gets uh bullied and poked fun of um he's not very well liked and on the bus trip home from school one kid starts a fight with him uh and this gigantic thing walks across the roadway, startles the bus driver, and the bus goes off a cliff. But the kid starts speaking in tongues in this strange language. He doesn't speak to begin with, and then he starts spouting this, and this gigantic, uh, geez, how, how do I describe it? Um, uh, this immense, stoic, shaggy, redwood scale Robden Nagian Beast. If you play Magic the Gathering, there's a, a card called the Morrow. It looks just like that. This giant Bigfoot type creature rescues them. It's standing there holding the bus in its two hands. And apparently the kid can command this creature. Like he calls it and it comes. Because at one point in the story, he, he screams this language and the thing comes to his bedroom window he gets on his shoulder and the the pair walk away but i mean there's a lot more to the story than that but that's it in a nutshell special kid commands this creature what is it 
where's it from why does this kid act like this where who knows right first issue you got to read it it is amazing but i mean if you can secure a physical copy get it because presentation wise it is a home freaking run but if you can't scoop the digital on um comiXology it's fantastic i'm in for the i don't care how long it lasts i'm I'm in for the run it's it, awesome. it's amazing um you can see more at humongousamongus.tumblr.com that's humongous h-u-m-o-n-g-o-u-s a-m-o-n-g-u-s dot tumblr.com it's really pretty i was knocked, yeah. knocked on my ass I just bought it through Comixology while you were talking, and I <laughs> wish that I had. Well, because it, it sounds like stuff that's up my alley. I'm looking, I'm flipping through it, and this screams to be owned in paper. Yep, and I was like, going through the previews, could, and I saw the cover, and it just grabbed me by the collar and said, "Order me, do it now." And I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, thank goodness. I can't believe I missed it. I feel bad for having missed it because this just looks like it needs to be owned in paper. Right. Well, I'm hoping I mean, that the the trade will uh, be given similar uh, care and attention because if they do it on the single issues, the trade is going to be out of this world. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really it's, sharp. That's a beautiful book. It's almost got um, it, it's the loose brush strokes on it are almost they're not really quite like his but they're almost scott morsey yeah, like, yeah exactly you know, right scott yeah. morse yeah and i think yep. there was a kickstarter for this thing because there's a thank you list in there and, and they mentioned kickstarter so yeah i mean it was it was funded but uh i'm glad it was because i i'm just happy this book exists it's it's so pleasing to my eyes uh it's unbelievable yeah yeah it's very pretty looking there you go R- really pretty so wow. yes i'm impressed Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Eric T. Johnson because he's the, the the mastermind behind the whole damn thing. Um, and and there, if you want to, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna do it. DCBService.com discount comic book service. Our sponsor. You can get uh, this hopefully and many other books extremely cheap. Thirty five to seventy five percent off their uh, monthly spotlight specials. They pack them all up real nice and secure. Ship them to your house. You don't even have to get up. Uh, do not care about late order editions or uh, late orders, uh, and you can get your previews for a buck and chains. That's that's super cheap. So do it. DCBService.com in your travels. <laughs> I'm gonna get chided for this, but I don't give a shit because it made me happy. It was written by Chris Rial and Tom Waltz, illustrated by Jose Holder, colors by Jeremy Cowell. You wanted the youngest, you got the youngest. It's an all-ages title from Boom, not from Boom, sorry, from IDW. It's called Kiss Kids Number 1. It was so much damn fun. It's so much fun. Uh, th- of course, they're shrunk down into little children, and the uh, the nastiness of Gene is kind of put on hold uh, he's a little demon he's not called you know the demon he's a little demon he's he's mischievous but he's yeah fairly innocuous uh star child cat kid and ace is called spacey the the something destroys the kids boots and they need more so they go to a shoe store called the carnival of souls <laughs> take it from there it's really really well done i was totally surprised uh, go get it. Kids, kiss kids number one. A lot of fun. Uh, amazing fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, go way back to the 1950s. Uh, pick up in any 
way you can the reprints or you know if you've got a lot of money the originals of pretty much any of the ec comics Mm -hmm. and um mark the is it 80 80 i don't want to say too old 84 87 the 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 87th birthday of marie Severn yesterday no kidding 84 okay 84 i i knew it was i knew it was it was it was out there but but marie Severn was um very quietly one of the um first regular working women in comics uh amazing colorist she she vince knows you know how many of the ec titles did she work on as oh the color? jesus a lot i mean she's she's the mo tucker of comics she she's blazed a trail where uh very few women uh have gone she's she's just fantastic i i put her every bit on a level with uh with john she's she's just an incredible talent does yeah. not get her due but um tomorrow's has a has a book on on marie severin so if you want to know more uh, about Marie, just go to the Tomorrow site and you can get it digitally. It's really good. I forget the name of it because I'm a jerk. But um, uh, Marie Severin, something about maybe First Lady of Comics or something like that. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I mean, she. you want to talk about, you know, someone who's been there for a lot of comic book history. Yeah. And, and she's, uh, I saw the picture of her from uh, from her birthday yesterday. Man, she 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 looks like a pisser. Oh yeah, she, would say. she looks like she is is quite a quite a lady. Yeah. So uh, happy birthday to Marie Severin, one of the one of the absolute greats, and go check out great uh, all of her awesome coloring in, in EC Comics. Yeah. Uh, also, um, uh, in your travels, uh, if you if you have been uh, tardy in uh, um, looking up the the work of the great Elmore Leonard, do so. Uh, rest in peace to one of the great American authors and. Uh, um, I will miss his work, and it's uh, we we lost a, a a great great author this week. So go out and uh, and read Pronto, or get Shorty, or you know, it, just look up any of any of his work and uh, and read uh, read some of the 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 best Western and then crime fiction of of the last century, and uh, and then after you read some uh, some Elmore Leonard, you can. Uh, Go onto the Facebooks or the Twitters and congratulate my old partner in crime, Thomas Caters, on uh, becoming a brand new uh, proud papa. Hey, Tom. Go, Tom. Congratulations, Tom. Awesome. Good that's work. that's amazing. He had yep. the Tom had the sex. Tom had, had the, the sex. sex. Oh my goodness. At least once. That's well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he did it with a smile and said something <laughs> witty at the end. He did. Yeah. I almost guarantee he did. <laughs> the work here is done. Um, so, congratulations, Thomas. Yeah. Congrats, Thomas. God love you, Tom. Yeah. Uh, there were a few things I, I did read this week. Um, one of which I will will all get into at a later date. But um, first thing was. Superior Spider-Man team up or the first two issues and it um it it kind of reminds me of the old days where you had Amazing Spider-Man and then you had Web of a spectacular yeah and you know so you had the main book and then you had Spidey having things going on in the other books this definitely feels like that because this doesn't um I almost feel like Slot has the story he's going to tell 
He's telling that in Superior Spider-Man, and nothing's going to take him off that course. So we'll let Chris Yost tell some Doc Ock has Spidey stories yeah. in, in another book. And um, I thought the second issue looked amazing because Cicchetto did the art. And um, mm-hmm. the last page is kind of a doozy. And and um, <laughs> Andrew Shaw and I were talking about it because he's a little, I don't want to say put off, but he he's a little surprised that that would happen in uh, in almost like a um, a throwaway issue in a miniseries. Um, I was I was more bent that the well not really bent because again it it takes you back to those old days, but it's the second issue of a miniseries. But if you want to get the second part of this story, go pick up Scarlet Spider. And um, which I haven't read yet, so I haven't seen how the story concludes. I thought it was kind of ballsy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but fun. I mean, I read them both anyway, so I don't really care. That's but I, I can see somebody being a tad bit put off. Um, but I uh, and and the first issue of Superior Spider-Man team up where Captain America wants to put Spider-Man on probation uh, was, was was a cute move, but um, I, it it it's almost. I think I'm getting to the point where people have to be aware that something is amiss. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it can only go on for so long before the Avengers or Fantastic Four, somebody just locks this dude in a room and says, you are not. No, that's, that's exactly the thing. The longer it goes on, the less so, intelligent I think so the, the Marvel, Marvel Universe is. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, he, and you know, even, even in Infinity, he's not couching the fact that he's not Peter Parker. Just right. the way he talks. He's the smartest man in the room. Yeah. And, and he's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's like when, uh, he said, show yourself or something like that. And, and, and Kane was like, really? Show yourself? Who the hell talks like that? So <laughs> it's, it's, um, so that, that aside, I mean, and if you want to keep it in this little bubble, when, when, when all is said and done, if you want like your superior Spider-Man era, then, then that's fine. And that can live in its own little, little world. But, um, what I really enjoyed was, uh, was the wrap up to, the God Bomb arc from Thor God of Thunder. Uh, it, it looked amazing from start to finish. The, those 11 issues with the one issue by, uh, by Geis and, and Palmer. It was all just a, a wonderful story. I thought that, um, even when, even when he got to the end of the story, uh, just mm. with a couple of sentences. You're not going to spoil um, it, are you? No, 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 no. Okay. I won't. I won't. Um, but, but, you know, you may wonder as you're reading it, or, 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 yeah, but as you're reading the last issue, you may wonder how it is, how do things resume after Ooh. this? And, and, and in like, in one or two sentences, in, in a caption box here or there, Aaron pretty much just puts your mind at ease. And, and it just, and it makes sense. And it all, it all just works. This is, this is really, I don't. Okay. I, so successful ending. Yes. Good. So I would say so. I mean, I don't because of where I was at the time when I was buying the issues and reading the issues and loving the issues. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that this is up there with Simonson's run. Oh. I, I may have to. I'll. I'll. I'll judge it again at a later date and 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 once it's not as fresh. I, I know I'll be thinking about this for some time. But what Simonson was doing with with the whole. 
getting rid of the Don Blake persona and yeah. and and everything that he was doing with 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 you know, Doom and and everything. And um, I think it will be mentioned in the same breath, though. I I agree with that. Yes, I, 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 I think I in in from my perspective, one of the best Thor tales. Ever, I'm not saying yeah, the yeah. best. And for someone, and for someone who's supposed to be, I mean, he wasn't always the guy. When you thought about Marvel characters, you think of Spidey, Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, maybe, and that's only because of the movies mostly. But Thor was never really that guy who you'd say, "Well, who's your favorite Marvel character?" Thor was never really on the top five of that list for too many people. So there True. really weren't too many definitive Thor stories before Simonson. You could have, you know, you have your three or four, even before Brubaker, you could have had your 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 three or four Captain America stories, maybe. You always well, are going to have your Hulk and Spidey stories. You have Demon in a Bottle for Iron Man. Right. But there really, there really wasn't before or since Simonson that Thor story. Well, the Kirby stuff. Well, but there's a whole bunch of it, and you can't really pick out one story as being. And weren't they mostly done in ones and 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 with the uh, yeah, and, more yeah. more like the tales of Asgard stuff, right? Yeah. That, yeah. So and and plus, you know, it was inked by Coletta, so the less said. But what are you gonna it, do? Yeah. <laughs> so you I know, love you, this, I love you too, bro. This is this it was definitely raped by Coletta. You mean? Uh, uh, this is no the. This is a a Thor story that you know you can tell somebody because because the Simonson stuff hell it's an omnibus you know you're going to give somebody something to read from Simonson that could be Legion esque daunting here yeah. at least you know here's here's an oversized hardcover here's eleven issues everything you need to read to, everything you need to know because everything is right there even from the from when this when this whole arc starts when the God Butcher arc begins you're met with. Olden time Thor, you're met with present day Thor, and you're met with future Thor, and that's all you. Even if you never saw the movie, you never saw the Avengers, you don't know who the hell Thor is. Everything is right here in this in in this story. Yep, I love it. Go get it. If when it's released, you get it on Comicsology, whatever. Just make sure you read Aaron and Rivix with with Geis and Palmer's Thor, God of Thunder. Yeah, it's a landmark tale. I I would suggest. Getting the inevitable um, collected edition, the massive all-in-one, because it's so good. Yeah, and uh, briefly, um, I have to eat a little bit of crow once again because the kids were watching the Thor movie, and I caught the first. <laughs> I, I caught the, I caught the first half hour, maybe forty-five minutes, uh-huh. and I said, "Son of a bitch, I was yeah. I was wrong again." Yes, you were. The 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 opening of that movie. I don't know how it ends. I don't know what happens after, but uh, I stopped watching it right after they uh, traversed the Rainbow Bridge, and I said, "Holy shit! This oh. looks this looks incredible." Yeah, no. Is the whole Actually, movie that good? Renee, Renee even watched it, and she no. enjoyed it. So yeah, it's it. it I was I was happily. I, I was stunned like how nice yeah. it looks. No. Yeah. So there you go. It's good. Yeah. Right. And that was the book. Well, you got me to read it, Vince. But um, that was the book that made me, that brought me back to the Marvel Universe because I was out. Oh, God much. of Thunder. Yeah, nice. Was, except for Daredevil, I was completely out of Marvel books. And then uh, I read the Thor stuff, and then I got back, and then I followed up, and I got the Avengers stuff, and I caught up on that. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, Stegman and um, Slots uh, Superior and 
and one or two other things. But that was the book that, that sucked me back into the whole thing because I was out and I didn't think I was coming back. Yeah, they're doing good things. I'll, yeah, I'll, they really are. I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. Marvel's doing okay. very good things lately. Nice. Yep. Uh, well, speaking of good things, I got an in your, in your, uh, in your travels. Nice. I don't stutter over it too much. Um, I, uh, I love the Hellboy universe, uh, BPRD, Hellboy, uh, Lobster Johnson, all that stuff, especially the lobster. Um, but outside of the lobster, fear the claw. And I do fear the claw. I think about that claw all the time. Not the craw, uh, the craw, the craw. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what am I besides, besides the lobster? My favorite character in the Hellboy universe is Abe Sapien. Me too. And uh, there is a brand new, well, it's like six months old, I guess, at this point. But there's a new Abe Sapien ongoing. And it's written by Mike Mignola. I'll do, this, I'll do my best Tom Caters. Written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi. Drawn, uh, illustrated by uh, Max Viamura, and colored by Dave Stewart. Uh, it is really good. It's very, very good. Um, if if folks haven't been keeping up on the BPRD universe, they might find what's going on a little bit jarring. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in the first few issues, Mignola and Arcudi do a good job of bringing everyone up to speed. Um, there are certainly spoilers in it about the state of the, the Hellboy universe and uh, what's going on with Hellboy. But, uh, but it's, it's a really, a, really a solid story. And uh, generally what's happening is the world is completely changing as, revol- as a result of what happened in the earlier miniseries, The Black Flame. And Abe is trying to find his place in the world. And, but uh, not only is he trying to find his place in the world, but he's also changing and he's on sort of this quest to find himself and uh, what's going on with him and the world around him. And he's you know, he's evolving uh, to basically he looks more like the Abe Sapien that we saw in Del Toro's uh, vision. Um, yeah. Than, than previous incarnations but the thing th- <laughs> there there are and that's that's really a lot of what the book's about in abe's quest uh and in some cases he's bizarre you know he's you know regarded with fear and others he's regarded as sort of uh, a prophet or a harbinger of you know of change and things to come um but i think the thing that struck me about this and i don't know why i never thought of this before but i had a total revelation with abe and this book it didn't occur to me it, it, throughout the Hellboy universe. Mignola uses a lot of uh, Hebrew mythology and, and uh, Judeo-Christian mythology throughout everything. Obviously, I mean it's Hellboy, but I never gave any thought to Abe's name, <laughs> and, and he's he's Abraham. And in this series, he is the and and they mentioned this in the Black Flame too. He is the sort you know the forebearer of a new race of men. Of the new world, you didn't get that. I it totally. What the hell's wrong with you? I don't know. Like (laughs) that's my thing. Like I make these connections. I make these crazy conspiracy connections. That's why I like literary criticism and stuff, right? Yeah. I it never occurred to me until now. Like, oh my god! Of course, it was right there in front of me the whole time. It hit me like a sack of potatoes. Um, How would Hillary have said that? It hit me like a sack of friggin' potatoes. (laughs) But but anyway, so like I, I realized that, and it totally. It, it changed my whole outlook on pretty much everything I've read from the BPRD stuff for like the past like five years. Wow. And because it was so silly that I never thought of that. I was just, th- I just took Abe and I just took the name as, okay, like maybe, you know, a Hebraic reference, but I never really put together the symbolism of the name with the character and the prophecies that were, you know, the quote unquote prophecies that have been made about him throughout the series. 
And uh, sounds so like anyway, you had a Philip K. Dick moment. I did. I did. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> um, I, it turns out I'm the replicant. Um, uh, and you know, if I'm just saying, if I was Abe, I would have tore the head off that kid with the box cutter. I would. Oh, I, 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 I would have right? just ripped that little bastard to shreds. But yeah. that's why I'm not Abe. So. No, 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 not at all. But um, and he but very is, easily could have. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only thing that stopped him was himself. Right. Um, but this is a really, really good series. It's it's a very rich series, and it fits nicely into the uh, the rest of the Hellboy universe. Um, and I, I, I quite quite like it. So it's I'm really I'm excited good. to continue yeah. on with it, and I'm glad it's ongoing too, and it's not another mini. That was really frustrating me. All those minis. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to keep track. Yeah, it was really yeah, hard to right. keep track. I, I think total uh, BPRD universe, they're up to, what, 110 or 111 issues? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's a lot of material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And typically, um, the, I think the, the unsung hero through all that is Scott Alley. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Big time. It's got to be yeah. hard to maintain all he's, that stuff. Uh, he's actually has a writing credit in an issue coming up that Michael Avenoming is doing. Ooh. He's got a he's got a writing credit too in the latest um two part thing for uh doesn't he? I thought he had a writing credit in the one of the Lobster Johnson things I just read. Yeah, yeah, cuz he yeah, yeah, I mean he probably knows it as well as Mignola does. Oh, he's yeah. been there been there since the beginning, I think. Yeah. yeah. Cur- the curliest hair in comics. He he has some curly curly hair that man. Yeah. He must eat yeah. a lot of crust. Does that give you curly hair? Yes, bread crust okay. gives you curly hair. Well, I have no okay. idea. Nah, that's, that, that, that's what that I was told. Right. That's sure. what that I was told like as a kid. Italian it is. Tale. It is. It's exactly I, what it is. I, I heard that if you rub mustard on your chest, you grow chest hair. But I am still smooth as a baby's bottom. You're and I rub lucky. A lot of all over my body. So. Yeah, that that's something to be very proud of. All right, I'm just going to say this, and then we can we can we can end. I'm already seeing the the internet's blow up. I'm calling it right now. I think Ben Affleck is going to be a good Batman. I have no problem with him being Batman. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. And and all of you fucking haters out there, just understand that the internet it, it keeps track of everything. So all your little bitchy tweets and little wall posts, whenever he nails it, and you're like, oh, I just knew he was going to be awesome. We're oh, going to. We're going to go back and we're going to call your asses out. I'm talking to you, Daryl. Well, if he's half as good as he was in Argo, that, exactly. was, that was a really good movie. Come on. Haven't, haven't we wiped the stink of Daredevil off of him by now? That was years ago. He was and so much younger then, yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy is matured as an actor and a director. I think he's going to be fine. Give the I, kid a now, shot. Now, I'm going to I'm going to show my age, and you guys, Crucy's a baby, so he he won't he won't remember this as much as as we do. But do you remember? God, can you imagine internet message boards when they had announced that Michael Keaton Michael was Keaton? Be, yeah, that man. Yeah, that I didn't see it either, but he did a good job. He did a great job. Yeah, it's all yeah, the was, lips though. Those lips really sold him. And the I was too young to care. Yeah. And you know what? I only, I, I, I only knew him from Beetlejuice, really. I not something about that movie. I I, I, I look at Catwoman, Michelle uh, Pfeiffer, back then, and Perfect. I saw her in the thing with De Niro. Now, oh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, 20 been... years ago, dude. I know. Time marches on, right? I know. I know. No, it's Kathleen Turner turned into a man. She did turn uh, into M- a man. M- Michelle Pfeiffer still looks like a woman. Just, you know, you could tell she's, yeah, but whatever. I mean, I'm not, who am I to judge, right? She's got to, she's got to be close to 60, man. That's all right. I'd still hit it. Yeah. Kathleen would. Turner? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, not Kathleen Turner. Nice. I'd rather do John Waters than Kathleen Turner. But, uh, yeah, all right. I think we've we've done enough. Is that a good point to end on? Is that Vince would Vince would bang Kathleen Turner? No, John Waters before Watch Kathleen him. Turner's. Oh, you would bang I'm John thinking, Waters. I'm oh, thinking yeah. uh, Menage a Trois. Hey. David, did you mention um, Kyle and Yost? Did you you said something? I oh, mentioned, and, I mentioned and, Yost from the, yeah uh, Yost. Right. You know what? More Crow. Um, I bought the entire first season of the Kyle and Yost Fantastic Four cartoon. Cartoon. Mm-hmm. I had heard it was horrible. With fun. the with the, the spray painted four. Yeah, the... it's not that bad. Oh, okay. It's a fun. It's a fun little series. Yeah, it's I not bad it. at all. Rock on. Johnny's dead on. You know, it it does have the anime influences. So what? But um, Ben is is great in it. Doctor Doom's extremely formidable. It's he's great in it. I just yeah. thought it was, and I paid five bucks for the whole first season, so I didn't lose any money on it. It's yeah, it was. I I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I thought, thought it was good. Yeah, the mole man's nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, it, this has been a very optimistic episode. I didn't even bitch about nothing except the bitch ass haters on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Bitches. Of course, I I didn't um, get around to to talking about that dynamite book, and I think we're all better off for it. That's all right. Yeah. We'll stay positive until Wood comes back. Okay. That's good. It's Big a, episode next week, folks. Yeah. Lo- a huge episode next week. Just be here. Because we'll yep. have a couple surprises. Yep. It's going to be good stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Um, we'll be Thanks, back. Zach. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, I forgot. Zach. He's just like kick, a fixture. Kickstart that convention. I'm going to kick the crap out of it. One time, I was talking to everyone out in the video. Yes, to reiterate, it's the Appleseed Kickstarter. Um, Go do the Kickstarter thing or come to our forum and click on the link in our uh, episode thread or just Google Appleseed Con Kickstarter and you'll get there. And and give till it makes you bleed. I would like that. Yes. From the anus? Bleed for Zach. No, not that. David. Bleeding. No, that's nasty. He, he doesn't have to work blue. David's too talented. Uh, be, we'll be back <laughs> ne- next stinking week uh, at the same time, same channel. Be here with us because why? Some of us like you. We love you so much for listening to our garbage. So much, we can't even tell you. And uh, we'll try and show it again next week. Bye. 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 Bye.